This is a HeadGum Podcast. Shout out to Claritin for sponsoring this episode and providing us with samples. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but if you are, allergies can wreck almost anything when they're happening. I have allergies all the time in like the spring, you know, whenever there's allergies around and I use this, you should also use it too. It's as simple as that. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and, that's right, and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, and an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. All of those things I just said, it's like a cocktail for the worst thing you can imagine, but not being able to breathe or that I'll get that thing where I go to sleep and then I wake up and I can breathe through one side of my face, but not the other. It's one of the worst feelings. And then when you blow your nose, you just can't because it feels like something's going to explode in there. That's where Claritin D is going to come in and help. So if you are ready to live life as if you don't have allergies, it is time to live Claritin Clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin Clear. Use as directed. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Hello, all family. This is Super Producer Isaac giving you a heads up about a few things in this episode. The first is that we are starting a new tradition on this podcast called February, where we have all new guests in the month of February. Uh, the reason why I'm announcing it instead of Ian is because we switched the first two episodes. So we were supposed to have this one come out on the second week, but for reasons you will hear, we have switched the order of these episodes. And uh, the third thing is that we actually ran out of time with Moshe to finish out the draft. So this is going to be a part one of two. And you can look out for part two later. We still haven't recorded it yet, but we will get to that later. But part one is great. So I hope you enjoy. This is All Fantasy Everything, the podcast where we fantasy draft anything and everything from the world of pop culture. On today's episode, we are drafting subcultures with our guest, the stand-up comedian, writer, occasion is actor fair to say? I feel like you don't yeah, really act fair. that way. Act, is fair to say. I thought you knew you got a bang in acting career when somebody's like, is it fair to say acting? Is it fair to say, actor? Is it? But we said the same I've, thing to I've Paul Giamatti, it. who was on last week, who was on last week <laughs> doing, his, doing his Oscar campaign. Most importantly for right now, I, I, I shunned the actor title because author, author, now of his second book, Subculture Vulture, available everywhere books are available, Moshe Kasher. Hi, boys. I am your host, 
Ian Carmel. And joining me, as always, are my friends and comedians, Sean Jordan and David Boy. Let's get into it. Welcome to another brand new episode of All Fantasy Everything, the second installment of February, where we have a new guest on, a guest who has never been on All Fantasy Everything before, and today we have Moshe Kasher. Hello, hello. I'm super excited to be here. I have wanted to do this for such a long time. Glad to be asked. It's wonderful to have you sitting in front of maybe the most beautiful wallpaper I've ever seen. It's pretty legit. All those yeah. machine guns on the wall. That's crazy. <laughs> well, I have a gold-plated AK that I won when I won my first UFC fight. And so <laughs> that's a big one for me, to be honest. Looking like uh, Uday Hussein's uh, bunker right now. <laughs> Recording live from Uday Hussein's bunker, Moshe Kasha. It looks great. That would be a twist, wouldn't it? You're like, is actor fair to say? No, but you know what it is? It's Warlord. Yeah. <laughs> that looks like, uh, it looks like Frank's booth in Scarface. It looks great. Oh yeah, Miami guy. <laughs> I used to have a Scarface poster on my wall, like every white youth in Oakland was required to do in the early nineties. We weren't required in Sioux Falls, but I, I had one anyways. So it I'm also it, yes, that requirement made its way up the West Coast all the way to Beaverton. I'll tell you, that. <laughs> it's exactly like it's exactly like Hella. It started in the yeah. Bay Area and it moved north to find Boy. other white boys with identity crisis. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Did you ever hear the hecka go on when we were there? When I was when I was in my teens, we heard kids say hecka, and uh, Ugh, it went that deeper was rough. than it went deeper than hecka, Sean. It went into yeah. hexa oh. and hexady. Oh, no, David, you must have heard of hexady. It was some hate, church going youth, and the- yeah, I hate hecka. My little brother tried to do it when he was real, real little, and I had oh. to get him off of it. Oh no! Oh, you did a hecka intervention? Yeah, I was like, we can't be out here. I can't have you. I can't have you looking like this. Then you did a hockey. In our family, we say hella. That's we how it goes the, down. Yeah, we drop the L's. Every, it's a hella house. house. G damn it. H-E double hockey sticks. Gosh <laughs> damn it. We say hacker. Wait, Ian, I did not walk to, and I feel terrible that I cut off what was about to be an unbelievable New Zealand it, race. It was. Uh, I knew I could feel it coming, and I, and I was sad that it went away. Thank you very much. I think the moment for it is gone, but I do appreciate you holding the space for us to just sort of address that moment we almost had. About talking well, yeah, about I just, I intervention. Think, <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yeah. They just did one of those in Parliament in New Zealand. So Yeah, they did. Yeah. They have a hockey intervention every six months just to make sure uh make the howlies? You think they use that term in New Zealand? Probably not. I, don't, I thought that was a Hawaiian term. I think that's exclusively Hawaii. Am I a howlie? I mean, yes. Yeah, well, yeah, you yeah. You're, a three howlie, of are you're a gringo, no, no, but you're a wedo, all the bad ones. No, I'm not a wedo. <laughs> No, take but that son, last one. Son. Oh, you're a big widow. Big widow. <laughs> son, somehow you're more of a Howley than me and Ian, though. Yeah, I'm, I'm just going to say it. Just by degrees. Yeah. I think we all knew that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. By the holy buckets earlier. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know if it's the Jewish thing as much as it is the Midwestern thing. It's, the, it's Yeah, you say Iowa. You're kind of out, bro. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot of it. But I'm here for it. I'm a little Midwestern teacup. I'm fine with well, it. Well. You're here for it, and uh, you're also cut. on s- social medias at uh, uh, Sean S. Jordan on Twitter, Sean Cougarmel Jordan on Instagram. Where can people see you playing uh, your, your your trade? Sean Jordan comedy for all the dates. Uh, this what will be? I'll be in Bend coming up. Uh, we'll be in New Orleans. We'll Bend be in Boise. Yeah. So yeah, go to the website for all that stuff. 
And uh, yeah, sign up to the AFE Patreon. Shit going on over there. There's 526 Beautiful. posts. I just looked at it. If you sign up right now, you get 526 things of bonus content. That's worth like seven to 10 bucks. 10 of them Easily. good. Yeah. yeah. Oh, there's, good. Like, there's like 20. And then, and then 510 of them? Fucking fabulous. They're, they'll get worth you through it. a drive. Yeah. <laughs> Got to go to Fargo. You're good. Live episodes. What not? David Borey is here. Cool Guy Joke 77 on Instagram. Where can people see you? I'm actually going to be in Fargo. Uh, oh. Yeah, no, of course not. No, I I would do Fargo. I would play Fargo uh, Fargo though. I liked I liked Sioux Falls okay except for Tommy Jackson. Let's He's talk right. about that the whole time. Yeah, Sioux Falls is great, man. <laughs> well, you fucking dropped 20 good. racks at the Hermes in Sioux Falls, right? That's exactly what I went for. They have yeah. like, they got those bo- <laughs> they got those bougie outlets. We all that I know like. what that is, so there's it's really like, no reason to dive yeah, into Sioux- it. The Sioux Falls uh, Airport has a Hermes Superstore, I heard. Joe, yeah. Foss, yeah. Joe Foss Field, man. Joe Foss pioneered the whole yeah. movement inside. Hermes Dakota. did the whole airport. It's one of those jobs where they just did the entire thing. In downtown Sioux Falls, there's a family dollar and Hermes, like a Pizza Hut Taco Bell combo. It's like <laughs> half family dollar, half Hermes. <laughs> yeah. Sean, it's H-E-R-M-E-S. I feel like maybe you've seen that. And Sure. And I definitely didn't think it was Hermes. So, well, that's no okay. Re- yeah, no well, reason to go into that. If you didn't know, there's no reason you wouldn't think that. I don't think I've ever seen it. I have no okay. idea what you're talking about still. So. A lot of French Listen, fur trappers in that area. All it's you know is I can, get it, I can get it for you by the yard at a price. That's fine. If you're interested. That's yeah. right. Well, you're a Hermes bootlegger, David? I got a, I got a line on some guys. No, it, but I, <laughs> I, can't get, I can't get Louis V for cheap. So if you're trying to like. Really? You know what I mean? Yeah, if you're trying to wrap some Timberlands or something like that. Yeah. I got you If covered. you're trying to wrap some Timberlands in Louis V, go ahead and sign up for the Patreon. Yeah, that's that's right. right. <laughs> 528th item. 528th oh, item, item is a is a it's a bolt of cloth of a bootleg Louis Vuitton. That, three yard minimum. Three yard minimum. I'm not getting lowballed here. I got Dapper, Dapper Dan went legit and left a gap in the market. We're stepping right into it. I gotta clear my uh, yeah, I gotta clear my nut. Three yard minimum, but it's good. It's good, it's good. You want some and, if you want some possum fur loafers, hit us up on the Patreon, we got you covered. Yeah, yeah. We'll talk off mic. Can I get them? Can I get them? You want those Jordans that Kendrick was wearing? Those fake Jordans? I got Absolutely. a box of them. <laughs> All half sizes, no fools. Uh, we, got we, got Travis, we got Travis Scott. <laughs> we got Travis Scott and Labrador Retriever leather. We got everything. We got we got Trevor Scott's in the Cactus Jack. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Yo, yeah, I I can get anybody a Gucci Labradoodle if they need one. It's a live Labradoodle <laughs> that's got Gucci print all over it. Yeah. It's a very limited edition. See, that's what I like. I like trafficking in live animals. That's uh, right. Cool, cool Guy yeah. Jokes 87 on Instagram. Not, nothing much coming up. Uh, go see the AFB Live dates. Watch season two of Royal Crackers mm-hmm. on Adult Swim or Max or wherever you, you know, watch that shit. Do people still watch it illegally like that? I don't think so. They watch NBA games illegally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the only th- time I ever watch Without the shit. written consent of the NBA. <laughs> or even yeah. the implied verbal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> guilty. All that, though. All that. All that. That was one of the great Family Guy jokes where he was rebroadcasting a <laughs> like an NFL. Do you have the written consent? Only the Didn't you do verbal. that on here one time? You ju- uh, never mind. Never mind. You Joe stopped, Manny's came- doing it right now. Let's hang him out to dry. He's he's simulcasting the NBA, and uh, I've written. Oh, I did I've one of those episodes. Oh, you wrote a letter to the NBA. Yeah, I'm snitching him out. I'm trying to get him. I'm trying to well, get him. I did. I did one of those episodes with him. I don't know if you guys know this, but I had a uh, what I call a benign midlife crisis after <laughs> writing the book uh, that is out now called yes! Subculture Vulture. 
I wrote the rave chapter, which is all about my years in the rave scene, promoting and de- dealing ecstasy and DJing. And it was a fun time. Yeah. Uh, and like in writing that chapter, I, I listened to like 1990s techno mixes the whole time. And at the end of the, writing that chapter, I thought, you know what? I'm going to have a benign midlife crisis. I, I don't want to do coke. I'm sober. I don't want to cheat on my wife. So I bought a DJ controller and I started yes. DJing again. And Joe had me come do the halftime show. And I downloaded every uh, house and techno track called Basketball on uh, b Fort. <laughs> I had over 40 <laughs> tracks called Basketball. And some of them were more uh, riffs on a theme. You know, some of them just had squeaking of sneakers. Yeah. Some of them just said the word basketball a bunch of times or like a diva singing. And basketball. it was a really good time had by all. Like that. Yes, that song yeah. made the cut. That made the cut. Yes. Yeah. That's, yeah. A, that's, yeah. A top, that's the top tier song with basketball in the title. It's the funniest yeah. way to start a song about loving something. I mean, speaking of subcultures here, it's basketball is my favorite sport. And to prove it, what's your favorite thing? The way they dribble up and down the court. I like that it's <laughs> basketball is my favorite sport. What's your name? Curtis Blow. <laughs> Nothing else you want to talk about? Basketball is what you came with? All right. What I'm obsessed with is basketball. <laughs> but what I'm named after is cocaine. That's funny. You should bring it up. My name is Sean Basketball, and I can't get enough cocaine. You know what I'm you talking about? <laughs> Sean Basketball over here with the duffel bags at the party. There's plenty of rap songs dedicated to the love of cocaine, though. So Absolutely. let's give one to basketball. Yeah. yeah. He is Mosher Casher, at Mosher Casher on Twitter, Instagram, all across yes. platforms. Are you on TikTok? You're selling the book. You must be. You know, I have a human that does my TikTok. How's that? That's like that's, a, fan, that's amazing. There you go. Classic my age ass TikTok. I listen, it's not even because I'm better <laughs> than it. It's because I know I'm not. And if I open that app, I'm, my life is gone. I'm not gonna raise know. my child. I'll just be so loud, dude. It's, I have no idea what I'm doing. I see those videos where I'm like, how are they floating in the middle of that video? I don't know what's going on. I'd love it if I had someone to do my TikTok for me. You got a wife who's a director. I can't have my wife do it for me. That's She's no, a director. No Hire her out, man. Yeah. I feel uh, like it's 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 hard when you hire hard basketball. When you hire within the house, it gets tricky. I've I've learned. Uncut. As we just did oh, that we're, special. Working with family is tricky. Yeah, yeah. I've well in live in family specifically. Like it's well, yeah. I find working with my family to be rather easy. Uh-huh. Yeah. In fact, I do a podcast with my wife called the Unless Honeymoon <laughs> Podcast. And uh, it's a it's a, bla- a barrel of laughs. We've never had a single conflict on this podcast. Seems like it's going great. I did a I live episode. You. I had a I had a beautiful time. We went to Canard afterwards. It was a lovely time I had by yeah. you. Sad uh, though. That's that's uh, it, 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 it. The the file got missing. It's one of those uh, ghost episodes that will never exist. Lost the time, which is good because we said uh, just we were we were off the top ropes. A lot of really controversial <laughs> stuff. We were into vaccines. Listen, are you guys years before? COVID. Are you guys ready? Are you guys ready to do the crossover episode that the world has been clamoring for? All Fantasy Everything meets the Endless Honeymoon. We'll have you on. Absolutely. All you have to do is say yes. Yes. We're in. That was one yes yeah. and two no's. Okay, great. Yeah, great. I mean, I'm not married, <laughs> Sean's man. in. Sean's in. <laughs> I'm married, yeah. Uh, Moshe Kasher, new book, Subculture Vulture. Ta- give, give, people, give people the spiel, which I'm sure you've done a million times by now. Well, it's a comedy, it's a history, and it's a memoir. It's a it's a kind of the journey through the the six subcultures that have created my life. Um, those are uh, AA and the Twelve Steps. I went to rehab for the last time when I was fifteen years old and was sober. Have been sober for twenty nine years, and I'm not any longer in that world. But it kind of created who I am. The sign language interpreting and deafness. Both of my parents, all my my half sisters and brothers, cousins, aunts, uncles, everybody in my family's deaf. Only me and my brother can hear. 
And I spent like 15 years as a sign language interpreter. So it's, it's the story of the deaf people and their journey to liberation and my journey to employment. Uh, Hasidic Judaism and Judaism. My dad is a born again Hasidic Jew. And I spent my summer vacations cosplaying as a Hasidic Jew for six weeks a year while spending the rest of the time in Oakland public schools listening to Too Short. Then, of <laughs> course, there is uh, the rave scene that uh, where I was, a, like I said, a promoter and a DJ and an ecstasy dealer and all that stuff in the early 90s which led me to Burning Man. I went to Burning Man for the first time in 1996. I've been, I think last year was 24 times, my 24th Burning Man. And wow. I used to work there for like 15 years. I was an employee of the festival well into my comedy career. And so I know how the psychedelic sausage is made. And then finally, of course, the world that brings us all together, the world mm -hmm. of stand-up comedy. So each of the segments gets like a little historic rundown, literally starting at the beginning like a comedy history of that world. And then at a certain point, I like enter the world and it becomes about my time in that world. Hmm? What? Sean's working on a similar book. Stitch You got one, David? <laughs> no, I said Sean's working on a similar book. Yeah. Ta taekwondo and skateboarding. Yes. Just, about the just about the Judaism part, actually, yeah, Sean's yeah. writing about. He's covering. I'm, I'm new to the fold. They, I just got brought in yesterday, but I'm, I, I think I can I, write a book. I know we are all kind of uncomfortable with direct praise, which is why we go on stage to get it in sort of an indirect way, probably. No, but no, I, no, I, no, 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 no. I'm taking 2024. Yeah. I'm taking it straight down the pipe. I love it, you're man. Taking it's it, great. You're taking yeah, the yeah, yeah. Fuck that shit, bro. Straight to the need, dome. I'll skull. I don't it. need no second hand. Tell me I'm great. I just want to say, <laughs> Mo, uh, in, in, just on the in, off chance that any of you aren't super familiar with Moshe, which I think is probably a scant chance at this point. One of the funniest stand-up comedians, but also one of the funniest writers. And for you to take on all these different topics, there's like, this is going to be a fantastic book. And if you're, I mean, we have, we have a few authors on here, but for the, for the listeners, this is like, go get this one. This is, this is going to be a fantastic read. I can't wait to read it myself. That's very sweet. No, I appreciate it. I'm super proud of this thing. Like I, I you know, it was like, um, I went to college and I thought when I got out of college, I was done with like, pulling all-nighters with stacks of books and stuff. And this book, yeah. like, kicked my ass. I had these stacks of research books. And, like, I, I did my work on this. And it's really funny and really uh, interesting. And people learn a lot, I feel like. But also, I feel like, uh, in a way, it's, in some parts, it's really emotional, too. And, uh, and I'm just super proud of it. I want everybody to read it. That's Writing great. a memoir right. is super hard. But then also having to be, like, accountable for the history of, like, you know, like, deaf culture or, like, Orthodox Judaism is, like... Man, that's that's a whole other pile on top of it. You must have been like up to your neck in it. I was up to my neck and I was intimidated by the task. Like it was, you know, it, I, you do this kind of stuff long enough and you get to this point where it's like, I want to take on something that kind of scares me a little bit. And this yeah. this project for sure scared me because I, you like you said, the historical accuracy of this stuff was, I know people are going to come for my ass if I get wrong what year the man burned early at Burning Man. Uh, so I, I, I had to make sure everything was correct. But, you know, you guys were like saying like, oh, Taekwondo and skateboarding, blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah, that's I think like that's to me what the book is now that I look back on it. And we'll get into um, me being a stupid idiot and making funny jokes. But in all sincerity, our age was like the last age where people had an accidental experience of life. Like you went yeah. to a Taekwondo class one day because your dad sent you there and now you're a Taekwondo guy. And then you go, you see some bad boys doing an ollie and you go, I want to do that. And that's you, your life becomes this kind of like, um, uncontrolled magnetic draw. And it's, it's like a pin, I described it as like pinball. You just find your, cause my worlds that make up my life are like so disparate and weird, but they fit together cause the connective tissue is me. And yeah. now with the, with the, with the internet, 
with TikTok <laughs> and these kids these days, everything is kind of delivered to you. And I, yeah. it, 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 there's some positive parts to that, of course. But I feel like there's a sad, like, this is almost me saying like a, uh, a goodbye letter to that kind of accidental experience of being like flung from world to world. So anyway, that's as sincere as I'll I be. have a couple questions that we'll get into, but I have, I have one question about um, subcultures I'm excited to bring up when it comes up, but I'm going to look well, to you. Let me oh, get, shit. let me I get my wait. shit out of the way and then we'll, we'll start <laughs> drafting it. My name is Ian Carmel. Oh, oh wait, Mosh, where can uh, people see you on the road or do you want to direct them towards oh. anything in particular? This comes out February 8th. Great. I will yeah. be, uh, you will, l- last night was the final um, stop on my book tour, so you can't see me. Um, oh, shit. Uh, no, we I'll be in Portland. We could flip Actually, flip it. We could do the first, right? Ooh, I'd love yeah. that. I'd love okay. that. I, I, start my, I start my book tour uh, January 30th. I'm going to, to Austin, to New York, to Washington, D.C., Portland, San Francisco, and Los Angeles. You can find all that at MosheCasher.com. And then stand up coming up. I'll be in Chicago at the Den Theater and at the Bell House in Brooklyn. That's in the spring and in May, I'll be in the Netflix special uh, festival, whatever, at the Troubadour. You can find it all on MosheCasher.com. Beautiful. Yeah, we'll flip this and uh, and they will have heard it by now, Rosebud Baker. But she didn't have anything timely to promote, so no. let's just flip the yeah, two. She didn't seem to care. Amazing. Fantastic. I love it. Thank you, Rosebud. Uh, beautiful. My name is Ian Carmel, at Ian Carmel on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all those places you can find uh, stand-up comedians. Uh, you can find me on the road. Uh, now, I guess tonight, this weekend, I will be in Phoenix at the uh, with the, with these two guys. Oh, yeah, at come the to Desert Phoenix Improv. tonight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, where else? Uh, Chicago? No? Sold out? Just want to brag about that because <laughs> it so rarely I, happens. Yeah, yeah. Just so it. rarely happens. Chicago? Uh, you nope, can come, nope, sold out. Come see uh, Sean and I at Nola, Sports baby. Drink in New Orleans, Louisiana, March 8th and 9th. You can see me at the Punchline in San Francisco. March 13th through Ooh, yes. the 16th. Very excited My for favorite that. club. It's so much fun. It I does re- rule. I, I love it. I love it. And you know what? I, though I am a staunch, staunch conservative, I do still love San Francisco. Stones throw from well, behind. It's a liberal hellscape. I think we can all agree that it's a liberal hellscape. Uh, yeah. And, and, but those crowds, they have broken through the woke barrier. And they're mm-hmm. able somehow to laugh. There was a comedian that once pretended uh, because he had sold so few tickets that the district attorney had uh, let criminals loose on the streets in San Francisco and all nightlife had ended. And that was, uh, that was a special moment. Yeah, they don't, they don't hang out in San Francisco. Nobody goes out in San Francisco anymore. No, because of the DA's activities. That's right. It's basically Gotham without Batman San Francisco these days, man. March 23rd, Portland, Oregon, Revolution Hall. Come see me. Record my special to me. Which March will, 21st, you know, Boise. Oh, yeah, and the 21st will be in Bo- Boise, Idaho. Now enough about that. Oh, pre-order my book. If now, if you're getting books, <laughs> get Moshe's, and then go ahead and throw it in a pre-order on mine coming out June 11th. T-shirt swim club, a, a, a memoir in 13 essays about growing up fat, being fat, losing weight, how fatness is portrayed in culture, specifically about dudes being fat. Uh, and then each chapter, my little sister, a clinical psychologist, responds to what I was going through in each of those chapters. Bookshop.org. Now let's dress some subculture, shall we? It's enough about books. Yeah. Uh, the way we determine the order of this draft is a rollicking game of rock, paper, scissors played between the three of you. And we throw on shoot. Here we go. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Oh, David, David wins. Unnatural, unnatural, unnatural victory. victory. A paper yeah. against two scissors. 
flying in oh, the face oh, of God. Oh, I see. So the the scissor, two scissors can't cut paper. That's right. Odd it's man the, out. It's, it's the okay. odd man out. That's the way we do now it. Now that it's, I have a kid, our scissors are super dull on the whole podcast, so we can't cut paper with safety them. Safety scissors. It's yeah, a yeah. safety scissors situation. They're nice about it. <laughs> David, I just got to say, I find that hecka unfair. Listen. Hecate? I'd have recanted if you'd have put that L in. <laughs> I'd have taken it. I'd have, yeah, I'd have taken it all back for you. <laughs> uh, David, as the winner of Rock, Paper, Scissors, it is incumbent upon you to determine the order of today's draft. But before you do that, I want to remind you and the listeners, it is a serpentine draft. What is that? It's a good question. I didn't think of one. It's uh, I forgot. It's like it's like scraping your <laughs> yeah. It's like scraping your windshield. Maybe I scraped my windshield today. It's like so you scrape the whole top. Nah, it's not like that. Let's say you got really long arms. You scrape the whole. T- it's like washing your fucking windshield. You wash. You scrub the top, and then you squeege back, and then you scrub a little bit farther down, squeege back, and then you go down. Yes, it is. Shut the fuck up. No, it's you, not. you don't wash squeege across. back like that. Yes, you do. You you wash across and you squeege back. That's absolutely how you do it. Unless you've been doing it wrong your whole life. Don't you wash the whole thing and then squeeze the whole squeeze thing? Squeeze the same direction. Let me let Basically, me try to make a picture. Fourth, if you pick I don't even have a driver's license. I don't know why I'm coming at you. <laughs> if you. Also, we're from California, David. We've never had to scrape a windshield in our life. You could try that. Just live in California <laughs> in the sunshine. True. You don't have to worry about this. Colorado, though. Colorado. I, I've, I've done it. I, oh, yeah. I, you're a Colorado yeah, guy. Yeah, nobody yeah, nobody was coming forth. to the Miracle Whip with a, with a squeegee at the stoplight. They, it was dirty enough. They just stayed away. If you pick fourth in the first round, you pick first in the second round. That's the way it works. Uh, with that in mind, David, what will the order of today's draft be? Uh, I'll go Moshe, me, Sean, Ian. Moshe, David, Sean, Ian, which means Moshe has the first pick, and we're going to get to it right after this short break. This episode of All Fantasy Everything is brought to you by Policy Genius. Uh, now, something you can really do for your family this spring. Something you want to do. Sure, you want to go get in shape. You want to learn how to do the splits. You know, you got to redo the bathroom. One thing you can do, <laughs> that's all me, by the way. I want to learn how to do the splits. Shopping for life insurance with Policy Genius uh, as part of your financial planning for the year. Getting life insurance just means that you have a peace of mind. So if something's going to happen to you, if it were to happen to you, your family can cover the expenses while getting back on their feet. That's what life insurance is for. And luckily, Policy Genius helps you compare your options from top life insurance companies and their team of licensed experts, they're on hand just to kind of talk you through it. So I have life insurance through no effort of my own. My wife did everything as she does, but I was sort of on the sidelines of the project and it it was such a hard thing she had to do. She had to go through and compare everything, find all the quotes herself, but it helps me sleep tremendously, especially now that we have a kid. Also, it's, it's a bummer to talk about, but once you get it out of the way, you don't have to talk about it again. And that's where Policy Genius comes in. They make it the easiest and quickest possible situation you can have. Policy Genius has licensed award-winning agents, technology that makes it easy to compare life insurance quotes from America's top insurers. Just a few clicks, you're going to find the lowest price. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams, which you know, I've always wanted to avoid unnecessary medical exams. Nothing new for your boy. So if that sounds like something you're into, Policy Genius can get it done. They also work for you, not the insurers. That means they don't have uh, some sort of quota they got to meet. They're not hitting like bonus numbers or anything. They just want you to get the best quote possible and the best insurance for you. So they're out for you, not the insurance companies, which I'll let your boy. That's what we're looking for. Save time. 
and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. This episode of All Fantasy Everything is brought to you by Wondery. The early 2000s was a breeding ground for bad reality competition series from shows like Kid Nation, CBS is Weird, like Lord of the Flies style social experiment that took 40 kids to live by themselves in a ghost town. Sounds insane. Uh, To The Swan, a horrifying concept where women spent months undergoing a physical transformation and then were made to compete in a beauty pageant. Also sounds insane. On each episode of Wondry's podcast, The Big Flop, comedians join host Misha Brown to chronicle one of the biggest pop culture fails of all time and try to answer the age-old question, who thought this was a good idea? Recently, The Big Flop looked at The Swan, a competition show between women who were hoping to transform their physical appearance. The problem, the women were isolated for weeks, berated, operated on, and then were ranked by a panel of judges. Unsurprisingly, it led to trauma for the contestants and terrible reviews. Follow The Big Flop on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free by joining Wondery Plus. And we're back. Welcome back to All Fantasy Everything, already in progress. We are drafting subcultures with author of Subculture Vulture, Moshe Kasha. David has the, or Moshe has the first pick. Here we go, Mm -hmm. Moshe. I I got the first pick. Um, You know, I'm tempted to use one of the ones from the book. Um, Mm. But in in the, how many rounds do I have? Five. Oh, dang. I could do every single one other than stand-up comedy, which I think we can all agree is a hellscape, and no one should choose that. <laughs> I'm not going to never talk about stand-up comedy again. <laughs> Listen, the only reason that's... The only reason... I, I think it's a good section in the book. The only reason it's in there is because I feel like people will be like, I'm sorry, you wrote about five subcultures and you didn't mention stand-up. Literally the only reason that you were able to write this book in the first yeah, place. So right, I would right, rather right. never talk about it it's, myself. It's an interesting um, subculture for sure. Is it yes, anymore? It's rough. I, I, Yeah, it is, but it's it's rough. It's so I'm not picking stand-ups. That. Don't pick stand-ups. I'm not picking stand-ups. Stand-up <laughs> feels like a la- like an old laptop that has too many files on it and the fan turns on too quick. Like it gets all hot all early. You know what I mean? Like, you got to yeah. take its shirt off to enjoy it. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it always has. Uh, one, of the, one of the interesting things about, I'm not picking stand-up, about stand-up though, is that uh, in doing the research for this book, there's a great book called The Comedians by Cliff Nestor. Oh, yeah. I read that. There has been... It's so good because it starts to show you the cyclical, speaking of serpentine, the cyclical nature of these arguments we've been having. Like a mm-hmm. hundred years ago, people were talking about uh, racist jokes and punching up. They just didn't have the right, as I say in the book, they were talking about punching up even back when they were in that old timey clean your clock uh, Irish fighter <laughs> style of boxing. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So that's, that, that, that uh, book is I'm a great take- like history of hacks, by the way. Like yeah. when they talk yeah. about all the people who like the war ended and they were still doing army comedy. And you're yeah. like, oh, yeah, I know these fucking nerds. All right. Yeah, uh, yeah 100%. Yeah, they, uh, there's another great, great kind of factoid in there that, I, that I, I took away from it that's in, the, in my book is this idea of how paranoid stand-ups are about joke thievery. I yeah. really believe that it comes from the time in stand-up where every single comedian did the same joke. So yeah. we were not original and we didn't, weren't artful. And we are, that's our baseline. That's where our foundation point <laughs> is when everybody was doing who's on first. So now a hundred years later, you got people going, I know for sure that Ian stole my joke it's because everybody's like paranoid that someone out there in this like, a DNA, you know, intergenerational trauma level. Someone out there knows, like, we're an illegitimate art form. Nobody takes us seriously. Right, I'm not right, picking right. stand-up comedy. All right. 
I, I'm going to choose, uh, I'm going to choose raves, uh, just cause it's in the book and yeah. it was the oh, greatest yeah. time. I, uh, I don't know what it's like anymore. Um, I, I don't know for sure if they still have raves or if they're just like weird underage, like Heineken, uh, Heineken techno and Molly <laughs> tents at, at the oh. side. Uh, oh, okay. But, but in the 1990s, uh, when you had to call a phone number to find a British man on a corner to give you a slip of paper to tell you where the rave was an hour d- uh, up the freeway on a beach somewhere. And you would, you would drive there and you would land and you would see a thousand kids on a beach. Uh, that was the time. Absolutely. That was the time of my life. I pick raves. That was the funnest I've ever had. It seems like Damn. a blast, man. I went to one <laughs> at the VFW in Sioux Falls. That was their version of a rave. But it was at the VFW oh, though. Yeah, or the KC Hall, one of them, one of those like where old dudes go places. But, uh, man, it seems so fun. I never got to go to a real one. Why? Why was it not real? Well, maybe I maybe it was just so it felt so tiny. But I mean, it was like music. We all I had glow sticks on my nunchucks, which was pretty sick. Yeah, and um, I, I heard that they that it was Iowa though too, so they were also spinning ears of corn. Is that correct? <laughs> yeah. Isn't we glow went- sticks on my nunchucks a riffraff song? <laughs> <laughs> it's one of his new songs so much ice i got brain freeze i'll tell uh, you I, there, that's one, of, one of the first raves i ever went to raves are not for everybody one of the first raves i ever went to i was at an aa meeting one night i had gotten fully i mean the thing for me was i went to a party my first rave i didn't know anything about it i found a ticket uh it was a huge party so i was able to buy a ticket on Ticketmaster, and i went by myself and i had like a full molecular reconfiguration of my identity. They used to call me Fila. That was my nickname. Um, you can kind of do the math yourself why, why they would call me Fila. I got rid of all the Fila gear. I bought all the like ridiculous Jinko <laughs> jeans and candy bracelets and barrettes and sprinkled glitter in my hair. I just had like a full identity reconfiguration. And I went to this AA meeting one night uh, and this guy, Casey, who was like newly sober, super just like regular salt of the earth type of dude. He's like... I was like, I'm going to this rave after the meeting tonight. You want to come? We drive out to this party in San Francisco and he walks in and it was like 1995 and it's a full underground party. Like everybody, like people are naked. People have their heads fully in the speakers. There's, you know, the spiritual yeah. altars and people are glow sticking and, and, and I disappeared. I was like, bye Casey. And I like went into the chill room and like jumped into a, what they called a cuddle puddle. Uh, which is just a pretty bad name, but it's uh, it, it's when everybody would be like a little too high on whatever respective drug they're on, they would kind of congeal in the in the chill rooms. And I like I'm sober, but I like dove in and started swimming around in that like congealed like blob of humanity, massaging people and and meeting new friends. And then Casey comes in and I could see him. He's like scared. He's like Moshe. And I like, you know, move the butt cheek of the person I'm, I'm underneath. I go, Casey, I'm down here. I'm the, yeah, I'm down here. I'm the one with the right next to the Kermit, the frog pacifier girl. Yeah, that's me. And he goes, I'm out of here. And he took <laughs> off. And I realized at that point, raves were not for everybody. Was it like a switch flipping? Like w- when you walked into one for the first time, were, like how quickly did you know you were like in the right place? I can tell you that when I was in the line, this is how dramatic the switch was. When I was in the line to that first party, I had, I used to wear Escape by Calvin Klein. Is anybody sure. else? From my exact demographic. Now, and now age. we're speaking yeah. my language a little bit. I was, I was a Michael Jordan cologne guy. <laughs> now, now I can smell where you're stepping in. Buddy. <laughs> you know what you smell like, Ian? Michael Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> I was a blow guy. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, you were okay. No, to be honest, David, let me just say, if you were going to go to a rave, especially a current day rave, with a scent, I would say dabbing cocaine behind your earlobes would just be a, a more seductive bit. and attractive scent than Escape by Calvin Klein. I would I say, if you're I trying to attract people, yeah, that, that is a scent that will work. Just on the pulse points. I had this bottle of Escape Cologne. I remember it was in my bag. I brought like a, a travel. I had no idea what to expect. I was just like wannabe gangster, Scarface on my wall type of dude. That was like my only universe was like West Coast gangster rap and like other white boys with deep identity. We crisis. will talk I, I was about just like, that more later. It will come up. Well, I thought about, put, I did think about doing the seventh subculture in the book, which is uh, white kids who think they're black. And I just thought, I don't think there's an appetite for that book right now. And it did not, it did not make it up. Yeah, that's okay. It's also its own. Yeah. It's also its <laughs> no, own no, no, series no. of books. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. That's, that's all right. I think I made the right decision. Yeah, I think yeah. I made the right decision. Yeah. <laughs> so the, I had this bottle of Escape Cologne. I'm in the line, and I remember I grabbed that. It was a full size bottle, and I I stuffed it into a sock because I was like, I don't know what's waiting for me in there. Yeah. Like, I don't know what kind of enemies I might have. Like you were going to beat the shit out enemies. of someone with it? Like you were going to swing Yes. It? Like, oh, yes, like yes. I was making like a little, a little like the potpourri scented blackjack just in case, you know? <laughs> hell yeah. Like, so that's the mind. That was the mind I had in the line, right? I'm like, just in case, you never know, my ops might be in there. Yeah. And, um, and I got into the party and immediately I walked into the main room. My mind like, and I'm sober. I'm nine months sober at this point. Like I'm not on drugs, but I didn't need to be. I was as high as anybody else there because I walked in and that the, the music and the lasers and the, you know, the, the, the throbbing entity of that crowd. I just, I, I remember I put that bag with my weapon inside of it on the ground and just walked in. I never saw the weapon again. Your weapon I never to get laid is what it was. I was like, yeah. I just like disappeared into the crowd and I started like, here's the thing about um, being like a, a wannabe is where you're, you will really figure out whether or not you are uh, white it, when people start dancing and you don't know how, you know, you're, you're kind of like two left feet will betray you. So I would, at like school dances in Oakland, I would kind of like sit up against the wall and tr try to look cool or like maybe do what I call the, the booty, the booty grab slow dance. That was a, the middle school yeah, dance that, where you would oh, like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You remember? where you would kind of like very tremblingly, like almost touch the ass of the partner you were dancing just, with. They'd grab your hands the, and pull the... Just the top, just like right when it starts to cascade yes. into Jeeps. God <laughs> yeah, bless yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. Or the hips, you can work the <laughs> yeah. perimeter. You can like, you just can't get on the yeah. butt. You can get down on the hips, like you, way down. <laughs> well, you'd be, you'd be so cool. You'd be like, you'd be a, 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 a just a, a split second, a millisecond away from fully grabbing the butt and the, and the girl you were dancing with would be like, Nope. And she would sense it and pull your hands back. So that was sort of like all I ever did for dancing. And at this party, I walked into that party. I started fucking, uh, Fila started pirouetting. I mean, I was like, I was <laughs> leaping in the air. I was dance. I was, I was spinning around. And, and then this, this gay couple came up to me and they both walked up on either side of me. They grabbed me by my hips. They were trying to do the booty grab slow dance as well. For sure. <laughs> and they picked me up into the air to uh, strangers pick me up in the air and they looked up and they go, you dance beautifully. And I was like, I was so, I was like, <laughs> oh, what are these, who are these, what are they touching on me, grabbing on me? They don't know me. When they let me down, I'll show them who I really am. And they let me down and I grabbed them and pulled them towards me and I kissed both of them on the cheek. And I said, <laughs> you guys do too. And I disappeared into the crowd. I mean, it was, that's an overnight, 
They don't Overnight. even know how close they were to a sock full of cologne, dude. They could have. They almost got smoked. They almost got smoked like a pack of cools. That was like your rave baptism. They like picked you up and dropped you back yes. to the floor, a new person. Yeah, that's awesome. A baptism. A baptism is is the correct is the correct way to describe it. It was. It, I was fully baptized and born again in a new world. And not only that. Uh, not only that. But it was, you know, I had this terrible ass childhood where, you know, it was all filled with like weird violence and 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 uh, going to mental hospitals and rehab and arrest and all this crazy shit. When I got to the raves, everybody there was like dressed like a eight year old. They're all wearing like silly ass, goofy fucking cat in the hat hats and 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 wearing candy jewelry and pacifiers. I was going to bring up the pacifiers, the pacifier. I remember the pacifiers being huge. Was that? No, I right. had those even at like my middle school. You know what I mean? People would just we rock had pacifiers. One of those. Like kids, would, like the hardest kids in school would walk around with a pacifier around their neck. Part of Boys in the Hood and part of the rave shit. I think but the pacifiers got our. Oh, yeah, like, was it Boys in the Hood or was it was it Menace to Society? Where you? Oh, it was well, Boys yeah, in the Hood. Yeah, yeah. The pacifier in the rave thing was specifically because when you would take Molly, you would grind your teeth. And so people would have something, an oral thing to put into their mouth in there order that go. they wouldn't grind their teeth into little rave nubs, right? But I for, was for clean and sober. For decades, I've been wondering that. Decades. Yeah, well, that's why anyway. they did it at raves. But I was clean and sober. So I got a pacifier just because of how cool it looked. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, you, wanted, you wanted an overbite, too. So you're like, I'm going to work on that with a pacifier. <laughs> was, yeah. was there anyone making adult pacifiers at that point? Or were you just like buying them specifically for kids and trying to find the one that matched your vibe the most? You would go to like a baby's R Us and you would ask them for uh, deep, deep throat uh, yeah, the uh, pacifiers. You'd say, yeah. yeah, for people with elongated throats, they had a special uh, section. My five-year-old can't stop with the pacifier. I need like a, I need a, a bushel or whatever you get pacifiers in, you know? No, they were baby pacifiers. Mine had Tweety Bird on it. I remember that well. And I wore yeah. it to raves and I put a fucking monkey sock, like puppet on my hand. I would bring it to parties and I would dance around with a monkey puppet. And it's so it ridiculous. Just... And raves are so ridiculous. Like I'm not, I'm not unaware of how stupid raves are, but for me, they oh, were no. exactly what I needed. I needed this like second childhood, even though there were drugs and sex everywhere you turned, it was also like so innocent. And it like stupid. gave me this like, yeah, ba- this childhood baptism to get a second chance at a, at a childhood, which is exactly what I needed and what I wanted. I'm just picturing you with a sock puppet, like I'm sober. (laughs) (laughs) You can't get a read on me. I got a sock full of cologne. (laughs) And then you sold. So you were sober, but you were selling ecstasy or did you, were you taking ecstasy as well? Or were you just selling it? I mean, listen, you're going to take my rave uh, street cred, my, my, my rave card away. I've never done ecstasy, but I was an ecstasy dealer. Uh, Basically. That's kind of dealer. I'll tell you what. Is that well? The- I did not get high <laughs> off my own supply. I almost oh, feel like it's a more pure kind of like a raver, right? You you don't even need the ecstasy for it. Not that you people need the ecstasy. I'm not trying to step on no, rave I culture people, here. I think people do. I mean, honestly, MDMA and and electronic music, uh, the rave world, they are inextricably linked. Like without one another, the the thing doesn't exist. I mean, the music exists, yeah. but the scene doesn't exist without that. You know, I say like. MDMA was like the epidural for the rave baby to to come into the world. Like that, it was a necessary a cocktail mix. It was that yeah. music and and the, those times and that drug is what made raves raves. I didn't do it because I was sober, but I started sure. throwing raves for this um for this dude in San Francisco, and he was like a kind of a bit of a con man. And you guys ever get into a situation where you've been hustled over like years? 
Has that ever happened to anybody on this podcast? Yeah, but I, I don't think yeah. so. Oh yeah, yeah. no, I, not me. I think we're getting in it. No, I, I'm trying to think less of business wise, but like, no, I I can't think of. I was paying residuals, or I was paying a commission on residuals for like several years, and I found out that not everyone was doing that. But uh, that was as close as I got. <laughs> I, I feel like you got to get hustled one time in your life to be able to like be savvy enough not to get hustled again. And I've gotten hustled many. Yeah, I've, I've gotten, gotten hustled. I've many gotten times. hustled so many times. You got to learn that lesson over and over and over Specifically again. Specifically, buying and selling drugs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's what weed's supposed that's to look like. Happy. That's where I happened. I had so many dudes be like, "No, this is what weed looks like," and I'm like, "Oh, word!" And then you're like, no, you know no, what? Isn't. There's a beautiful aspirational optimism that comes with the man that wants drugs so badly. He's willing to believe that the guy that left him with the backpack full of stuff is going to be right back. Oh, and you man. wait an hour, you wait two hours, and finally you open up the back. You're like, he wouldn't rob me. Peg leg wouldn't rob me. And then no. you open up the backpack and it's just tin cans and river stones and like just like empty, <laughs> empty hot dog wrappers. Those are, those are the best guys, though, the nicest guys. And then they show it to you. And then you're walking down the street like, hell yeah. And you're like, when did he switch it? When did he switch it on me? <laughs> My friend, Raul? Yeah, Raul, when did he, when did he switch it? that to me. He, he let would me smell not it. do that to me. He said that was his son in the car. <laughs> the Wiccan priest Raul sold me a backpack full yeah. of Riverstone? Fucking Raul God did me dirty. <laughs> Fucking no. robbed me. How did that? Uh, take that name out, Isaac. I'm, <laughs> I'm still, af- <laughs> I'm still afraid it. of her. Uh, <laughs> she went by... Yeah, that's no it good. She's a girl. I got, robbing I got dudes. people in my life. I got people in my life. I'm still scared of. I'm at 44 <laughs> years old. I still every oh, time dude. I go back to Oakland, I'm still like I just hope that I don't run into so and so. Like There's I think yeah. I have to get my ass kicked. Still yeah, wants to I kill still me. Get beat up. <laughs> I see this guy in Sioux Falls when I go back. Sometimes he's just at the bar, and I'm like, ah, I still got this beef from when we were 12. Oh, it wasn't yeah. even real beef. He he came over and slapped me and punched me. He shouldn't be upset anymore but he still wants to finish the job. Like he wants to kill me. I've written the speech for when I run into the guy. If I, <laughs> I, already, I know the speech, <laughs> I'm going to stop him. And I'm going to say, I'm so glad I saw you. That's my opening line. I'm so That's glad smart. I saw you. <laughs> yeah. I'm so glad I saw you. That's a great. And opener. then I go into this, this, this whole spiel about how, when I wrote my first book, I was blah, blah, blah. I was writing from my own perspective and I forgot that the people I was writing about were real people. Oh. And, and you being upset, me hearing about you being upset. And this is true, by the way, this is sincere. You being yeah. upset reminded me that I was writing about real human beings and it was a mistake and I apologize. And I hope that he doesn't I, just beat the shit out of me. That's interesting because I have read your first book and there was a specificity to it where it was like, yeah, there are people who are going to feel that. You know what I mean? Like, you, yeah, I assume yes. you change the names or whatever, but the specificity of it is just... And, like, there was little things, like, when you were hanging out with that old guy, Rip It Up or whatever, I was like, I oh, know Mikey a guy... Rip It Up. Yeah, I was like, I know that guy, and I would not, like, in my life, he would be pissed if I wrote that book. You know you, what uh, I mean? You forget that you're that people listen to this stuff. Like, I've even doing this, I've had people come at me like, hey... Some of those things you're saying, like, they're really specific and they really happened. And you're saying them like it's nothing. Well, Ian, it's like, yeah, you're right. Yeah, no, Ian, here's a warning to you. My thing yeah. was, I'm like, nobody in my life is going to read a book. These people don't read books. No way. No, they've never read a book. They all read the book. Everybody will read a book that they're in. If, they, if they're in it, they're reading it and they will yeah. find out. 
And 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 yes, I had people, people, and it's it's a bad demographic too because you think about like the nope, they're not going to read a book. You know why they're not going to read a book? Because they went to jail. Well, actually, they got books in jail, but anyway, they were in a prison. A bunch These of books. Yeah, that's all they do here, is read books. Yeah, yeah, they got books. I'm I'm over here like with my quill, like oh, well, let me turn my history into the comedy memoir, and then they're fucking in jail reading the book going i'm going to kill that guy when i yeah. get out so just anyway. staring up at the ceiling like this motherfucker put my name on it no way <laughs> you forget there was that thing there's that whole uh line that goes around like uh you, like other people don't own your story you know what i mean or like you don't owe anybody else like whatever that like sentiment is it's like well you don't owe anyone else like no one else owns your story but it is good to they consider how up. they're going to feel about it. Yeah, yeah. they could hit you yeah, with a yeah, yeah. sock full of cologne, <laughs> run That's up on you from behind on the streets. I no, was I mean that was careful with names in mind, but there's going to be people oh, who know what. Oh, I was careful with names when I was writing T-shirt swim club, but there's going to be people who still know. And it was names like, don't I mean, mean shit. Yeah, names don't mean shit. <laughs> I, I now in the second book, I'm changing race. I'm changing. I'm cha- I'm I'm putting false. I swear to God, I'm putting really? false identity in there, like. I put in details about certain people where I'm like, he had a tattoo covering his back. Lie, lie. Cause I, and there's all, the only reason that it's in there is so that that person doesn't read it and be able to go, you motherfucker, that was me. I don't want any of that in my life. Wow. Yeah, that makes so, sense. That's good to know. Get cashier in the ride right. while you're picking I'm up I'm just picturing somebody vulture. being like, man, Moshe and I were up in a hot air balloon doing tons of cocaine one time, but I don't have a tattoo on my back, so that can't be me. <laughs> <I'm good. laughs> He's got to be talking about okay, something Okay, my else. point was, my point was, and I know we got to move on with the draft. My point was, I was working for this rave promoter for like three yeah. years, doing like 100 hour a week, like hard labor, like installations, because I wanted to be the king. That's a thing that I've noticed in all these worlds. Like, I want to, like, own it. I have, like, main character syndrome. And the minute I get into something and fall in love with it, I want to, like, enter it and become the, a professional or a king or royalty or something. And the problem with that is every time you do that, you start to sour that magic. That baptism starts mm. to become soured and you start to go, this thing kind of, su-, like how everybody's talking about with stand-up. Like, we all love stand-up. But because we've gotten so far past that line of professionalism, now you go, oh, but it also sucks. But when you were on the other side of it, when you were a young comedian, yeah, yeah. you knew it sucked not to be respected, but all you wanted was a fucking brass ring. And you yeah. knew that if you grabbed it, you would be whole and cared for and your life would be different. And then you grab it. And the minute you grab it, you're like, this fucking ring, this is what I was after. Anyway, and you're like, oh, there's another, there's another brass ring up there. I gotta grab now. You know what I mean? Where you're like, oh, and then you I grab know. that one, and there's like, oh shit, there's a higher brass ring. That Ugh. that analogy is literally in the book, and I say like the ladder goes forever, and forever. somewhere way up the ladder is Brad Pitt staring at Timothy Chalamet's shoes, wondering how he got lapped. Like that's just the way it is, <laughs> right, dude? <laughs> um, but anyway, in the rave world, this this guy was hustling me. And I was like three years into working for him and he never paid me. I was like a, his like, I was like getting pimped basically. And I finally said to him, I go, look, I've been throwing raves for you. I've been your like number one man. That's how he got me. You'll be my right hand man. And I'm like, I've been your right hand man, but I feel like I'm your bottom bitch actually. Like <laughs> I, I still getting taken can you care pay of me. Though. Yeah, no, I was, no, I literally was like being a bottom. It was like, he would like buy me dinner and he would get me into the rave and let me, pl- let me DJ. But I never like got a paycheck. Right. And I finally confronted him and he said, listen, things are a little tight. I can't pay you for the labor you've been doing, but I can let you in on my, on my little side hustle, uh, which is that you can start selling ecstasy for me. 
And so that's how, uh, like two years sober, I became a clean and sober ecstasy dealer, standing at the front of every party that I threw, just like an open air market going, E, E, you need any E? And then I'd see somebody from the AA meeting, because people from AA go to meetings, uh, raves too. And I'd go, E, 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 Gads, Brian, nice to see you from the Wednesday night meeting. I remember you. Get on in there. Have a good time. That's amazing. Uh, Raves, excellent first pick. David Bory, your first subculture. This is is far darker than raves. I see. I thought we were gonna. <laughs> we'll get dark. I'm sure. I'm you taking took the sub literally. Yeah. I'm ta- I'm taking I'm taking gambling. Oh yeah. Oh, oh wow. It's just like well, that casino like, life. Well, that's when it started. It was like a thing that was not a part of my life at all. I did not grow up. Gam- I didn't even like for fun. And then I was so broke. You know what I mean? Like kind of bordering on homeless and then when i got to san francisco i got a job at the casino and then all of a sudden it's just like you meet all these people and that's their thing and then you start gambling and then it's just like infiltrates your life in so many different ways and it's like but it's so fun i mean it's not great obviously but it's like some of the most fun i've had in my life for like dice games horse tracks card card games on a boat on a plane you know what i mean it's like it's because it becomes this thing where it's just like you see somebody else who has that especially dice because it can break out anywhere any i want 150 bucks at my friend's giving a month ago you know what i mean (laughs) gambling it's just like it's just you have to find someone it's like it's like finding other people with regular drugs you know what i mean i remember when we did that show in San Francisco, you dipped into you like the at the end of the night, you like started a dice game with your buddies at that bar. Oh, I'd probably that was paid, so fun at Milk. I probably gambled for fifty hours there yeah. at that exact corner, and it was like at a time it was like, which is not great, but it was like really supplementing my income. I remember one year. I remember one year to get into Bridgetown. I didn't have any money for to submit the video and I had gambled all night and won all this money. And then my bio was David Borey won the money to submit to this festival and an all night <laughs> dice game. And that was the year uh, I didn't get in, which is like, come on. Uh, yeah, come let on, the guy story. You think on bio, on bio alone, on bio alone, you think you should be able to come be submitted. On, I'm saying, and it's, yeah, it's not, it's not great. And it's like, there are, I have seen it at levels where it's like very scary in situations where it's like, when the money runs up and you start to be like, oh, this is not, this is, I, I like, you know, because a lot of times it'll start nice and then it'll get sinister. Like I've had it where we started gambling at the bar and then we went to somebody's house and now you're at somebody's yeah. house that you don't know. And now it's four o'clock in the morning and you're four neighborhoods over from your neighborhood. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then it's like, what's the other but I, And once you run up, I, now I've it's never like, heard of a, I've never heard of a dice game going bad though. I don't, <laughs> Everyone keeps their like cool. it's pretty mean. It's a peaceful yeah. community. It's a beautiful notoriously, community. Notoriously a safe way to gamble. Luckily, I've never been in a dice game that got robbed or anything like that. Yeah. I have had it where I left and I heard afterwards, but never because it's like once because that's how it starts, right? It starts fun and cute. And then by the end of the night, if just by virtue of you've been playing all night, now you're playing. I would have it where I didn't have money. I lived on a couch. You know what I mean? I have no money, but I just won that night. So now it's four o'clock in the morning and I'm playing hundred dollar hands. Damn. You know you what I pushed, mean? You ever push the couch? You ever push the couch into the center and say, 
I'll, I'll put the couch up. Just let me get one more roll. <laughs> Here's my this bet. This is it. I got my I got my EBT card. This is hot stamps too. So you this can go into Burger King with this. This thing's Ethan Allen, baby. That's, yeah. I'm giving you. Yeah, it's worth my house. Worth I put my, my little my house up here. Yeah, it's it's worth it. No, I. It's just, it, but it is just an interesting thing. And you, and now it's crazy because it's so much more widespread than it ever has been. Oh, you boy. know what I mean? Yeah, is that true? Yeah, it's gambling I, bigger than it. We, it's all on the phones and apps yeah. now. It's yeah. like, like right, right, right. Sports betting used to be even for me. Sports betting was like very fringe because it's like you have to have a bookie and you have to like. But now it's like everybody I know is parlaying. You know what I mean? Everybody plays parlays. Everybody, every everybody sports bets, and that's like crazy. Dice Scott. A dice game is really a dice game is really interesting to me because it's like a it's a party where one person is slowly getting into a worse and worse mood over the course of the party. And yeah. one person's getting into a better and better mood. So like, <laughs> yeah, it goes bad because the dude that was really happy at the at 8 p.m. at 4 a.m. He can't pay his rent that month and he's going to fucking kill you. Yeah. Right? And it becomes this thing where it's like you start to see you start to see who has a problem really quickly. Like because sometimes it would be a legit party. But then this guy just got paid and he came with all his money. And Dice Good. is funny because there's no rules. So I how many arguments have you seen where people swear they've never seen anybody shoot dice like you? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I don't know where you're from. I don't know what the fuck this is. You know what I mean? And it's like, but we all play it like this. It's just like a very interesting, it's just like a very interesting world. And luckily I've never, I know I've never gone down too bad because of it, but I have seen some funny shit. You never had a tooks in you though, right? You weren't like addicted to gambling. You just liked it. I just needed to stretch dough and it would be like yeah, an yeah. easy way to. And sometimes, so I had a friend who had a lot of money yeah. And like to gamble, and it would be like he would like he would front me money because we would start get at that at that same bar. He would front me money because he was also the bartender and sold blow. But he was like, yeah, if you guys are in the corner having a fun time at this dice game, it makes people want to come in. And then people would come in, and you'd see a guy who was like on a date with his girl, and you could tell he didn't really know how to play dice. And you'd be like, come on! And you'd like get him to come in, and then you'd take all his money. Oh. And then ultimately, my buddy had more money than everybody, so he'd rob the house at the end of the night. Like, alright, now we're playing. And we'd play like crazier and crazier games. Like it would start out as craps or one four twenty four, and then you're playing threes and like deuces loose and all these games that don't even fucking makes. It's just to make a bunch of money. It's like it's yeah, it's I a don't weird know scene. Any of that stuff? I don't know, <laughs> I know any one of those games. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I know craps, and I know that if you're if you're craps really and CeeLo, like, though, uh, you know CeeLo, right? It's the same as craps. I know about CeeLo. CeeLo was like an East Coast thing, yeah, it's right? Like a New York game, uh, yeah. Yeah, all I know is that when I would roll dice, I would snap at the end. And that, to me, signified that I was from the streets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a tip. That's a tip. Also, if, if you, you roll snap dice. At the end, it... <laughs> also, if you roll quickly. Roll it, snap it, grab it. Roll it, snap it, grab it. Roll it, snap it, grab it. Like, uh, and that's uh, the right, other right, thing. Right, right. <laughs> Are you scared someone's going to snatch your 20s if you don't keep rolling? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Or And you got to get in on the next one, and then your side bets get all fucked up. What are the I, politics of leaving a game? Uh, that's complicated, a man. It's just like. You can't just grab your money and go? No, not. When it's lower, you can, but when it gets higher, people get heard about yes, that shit right? you know what yeah. i mean or they buy oh, like they want to win their money back like you got to give me a chance 
and hard that's to a sell lot of the, high. That's a lot of the problem of it is you got, and that's a problem of it for me is like, I, I would get staked to get in a lot of times. So I would ultimately, I've had nights where I've won like $500 and then left with like 40 bucks. Yeah. But I came with no money. Still made 40 bucks. Speaking of the, the subculture of it all, I remember now that you're talking about it, David, that there was like a, there was a patter to it as well. There was like a rhyme patter to crap specifically. Do you, did you ever play like that? Where like the guy shooting, if he was like a charismatic, wacky enough guy would have like a little phrase at the end of every roll. Oh depending yeah. On what he rolled, you know, yeah. Like, different seven, stuff. Is seven. Co- We're going straight to heaven. Yeah. Uh, new uh, shoes, new shoes. You know, little, jo- little Joe is two twos for a four shit like that. That's there right. Is little, like, Joe, yeah. little Joe. Is yeah. that why yeah, Ice Cube says little Joe? In good day, yeah, backdoor little Joe's, yeah, yeah two, oh, and then like learning. naturals and shit yeah. like that. It's like a whole. There is a whole rhythm. There's a rhythm to the game because it's like, especially craps is like fast. It's like fast as fuck, and that's why there's so much like. That's why there's so much conflict a lot of times because it's like, and there's side bets and shit like that. So it's like me and you are betting, but I'm also betting most of that I'm gonna hit a natural. You know what I mean? So it's like. There's a lot of money going on and there's like, it's like, that's why there's a speed to it. But yeah, good, good time. Nothing bad ever happened. I remember one more detail and I don't know if this is normal or is this a guy that I used to shoot craps with. He had the patter, like everybody did the pattern and we would all try to mimic the kind of OG that actually knew what he was doing. But this guy, every time he would roll, he wouldn't just snap. I remember now he would go, yeah. Every time he would roll the dice, (laughs) and then snap. (laughs) <laughs> and then he would do his little pat. It was like it was honestly kind of a performance. Put on a show, give the people something yeah. to get, yeah. entertain the people. Yeah. No, I mean different. And different gambling sounds different. Like when I worked in the casino, it was like all Chinese people, and they just have like noises that they make that are like yeah or like hakchai hakchai hakchai. It's like bad luck and shit like that. Like it's just like there's a there's a noise to all. Like if you ever play like double hand poker, you just hear people say weird shit. Come 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 come. Like. 50, yeah, 50 yeah, yeah. The pot they develop like, like a, a yeah, language. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy. It's a crazy, crazy thing. But also very people, people, it's bad. When I got to college, Texas Hold'em was like, yeah. that was like when it was Round, like rounders, baby. Up, like rounder, but also just like the World Series of Poker on ESPN. And I supplement, like I made all my extra money in college just from being patient in those games because everyone else was like a hormonal yeah, and I was also drunk. a hormonal 18-year-old. They were getting drunk. <laughs> but I would just like, I'm like, I'm happy to be well, Ian, here. I'll just be patient. Ian, poker's not gambling. That's a skill game. That's just yeah, a yeah, skill that's set. A, that's, that's just, just that's skill just set. A, that's Might as well work at MIT. <laughs> <laughs> but you would just end up with all the money because you wouldn't, like, if you never got impatient, go all in. Because, again, there was politics to leaving a game. You know, you were just like, no, we're staying until one person wins it all. And then you would just, like, have the stack of cash from being patient. Speaking of um, Chinese and luck. Mm-hmm. Uh, is, where's this riff going to go? You yeah. wonder? No, it won't be terrible. This is an interesting <laughs> factoid. I heard that, that Chinese um, people, uh, gambling is a big part of Chinese culture and luck is a big part of Chinese culture. And the MGM Grand, originally when they built the MGM Grand, the entrance to it was like a, like a, a story tall um, lion's head that you would walk through that, you know, probably cost some five million dollars to build this like gigantic mega archway that was a lion's mouth you would crawl into and the chinese gamblers were like that's bad luck we're not walking through a lion's mouth in order to go gamble and they are such big fish in that world that they deconstructed the entire lion and made a new entrance so that they wouldn't keep people away i believe (laughs) give me a door 
<laughs> Chinese gambling is like a whole nother thing. We would have guys because it was like my casino was right next to the airport. So we would have guys who would come to SFO from Macau and then just come to Joe's, go onto the back rat table, buy out the whole table, paying like $10,000 a hand, play for five, six hours and then get back on a plane and go to Macau. Damn, like, dude. And then they would come to Milk Bar and they would grab some dice and go like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's go. Let's, yeah. All the way down the ladder. Going all the way down. Also, a lot of racist stuff. A lot of guys saying, Obama, you live in Oakland, Obama? But, you know, complicated. It's complicated. Oh, really? Yeah, complicated. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You live in Oakland, Obama? Oh, yeah. It was like me and two other black dudes worked there. Alvin and this guy, G. Bro. And that all is... of us always, you live in Oakland, Obama? Obama, Obama. And like... And bro, but they believe in that luck shit. So like, man, if they'd be on a hot streak, I see, I would see people, some people, you, I, there was a couple times a woman would period on her seat because it's like, if you're hot, you don't want to go to the bathroom or nothing like that. Like people would be in there for days stinking. They'd have to kick people out and tell them to go take a shower and shit like that. Like really wild. I had a wild scene. I had a friend. I had a friend. This is a sad story, but I had a friend who. We all bought tickets to go see uh, the Pride uh, Fighting Championships. It's like a Japanese UFC. Yeah, yeah. And we, it was the last ever Pride event. And we all flew to Vegas on this big like boys trip to go watch the fights. But he had a, he had a gambling problem. And we got to Vegas on like Friday night, uh, Friday afternoon. And he walked to the poker tables and he sat down and we all went and had dinner. And like we were just waiting for this big event on Saturday night. And we went. And we, we went and we gambled a little bit because none of us really liked it that much. And we ate and we saw a show and we went to bed and we got up the next day and we came to get breakfast and he was still sitting there at the table. And then we were like, are you okay, dude? And he's like, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. And then we went out, we had a whole day, we got lunch, we walked the strip, we went shopping, we came back, he was still there. And <sighs> then it was like 6 p.m. We're like, hey man, we're going to the Pride event. And he turned, I swear to God, he turned, he goes, no, to be honest, I'm not really into fighting. I don't like violence. I'm not. I, 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 and he tried to do a performance where he hadn't come to Vegas. So we, got, we had a ticket for him. He's like, no, I'm, you know, the truth is, ethically, ethically, I, I just have an issue with, uh, with, with the firefighters. He didn't come. I actually wanted to talk come. to you guys about that after the show. He stayed on the, to- he stayed on the table the whole time. Oh, man. Christ. He didn't, pl- he didn't come. We found some, uh, somebody else gave them the ticket. And we all flew home and he like just slept. It was, a, it was sad. It's, that that shit's sad. brutal Man. too. I remember I would like, I would leave on my, I'd have my day off for two days off in a row. And you'd come back and you'd see some people there wearing the same clothes mm-hmm. where you're like, oh shit, you've just been living on cigarettes and pie gal poker for two days. Yeah. Like, and like a, three yeah. gins an hour, just keeping yeah, that yeah, pace yeah. going. Uh, so <laughs> Although fuck. some of they don't drink at all, right? A lot of those like uh, hardcore gamblers or they keep like a whiskey, let the ice cubes melt. Well, I mean, because, but, like, at least AJ's used to give you drink for free if you're gambling. Yeah, because they want to get you all liquored That's up. That's the only reason I like gambling, I'll tell you what. <laughs> uh, well, what do you like part. for your first pick there, Sean Jordan? Uh, skateboarding. Skater culture. Yeah. Sure. sure. Yes. I mean, sure. That sure. I, Classic. I fell, it was March 27, 1996. I got my very first board as a Willie Santos slick cannonball run graphic venture feather light trucks with the black axles, 45 millimeter lemon drop wheels. And it was, like immediate i went i stepped yeah. on a board yeah baby bombed a hill oh, a hill a driveway but i fell hit my head but i was like that's it and i quit doing everything i was doing up until that point that i think we'll talk about later and i was just like i've i really haven't changed at all i've calmed down less as far as partying goes but i'm the same as i was that day 
from from then on? Sean, that feeling of like what you just described that like, this is it. Yeah. To me, that's a, a, a right, sincere probably. world. To me, that that is my experience of uh, of like the magic moments in my life have been those moments of walking yes. into a world and going, I this is my world. It's yeah. been hidden from me. I describe it as like, you know, Harry Potter and Narnia and all these books where there's like a weak, there's a weak kid who's like a nerd and an outcast and an isolated kid. And then all of a sudden someone reveals to them, actually, you're super powerful. You, you have, you have superpowers that you didn't know about, like just walk through this door. And that is the feeling of stumbling into your world that I wrote about in this book. And that it's the most powerful feeling in the world to me. It's my favorite feeling. Yeah. It's comfortable. It makes me feel like I always have something. I've always had that thing. I have friends in every city. I have known, I'm almost crying. I've known the people that I know to this day, I've known for over 30 years. And most people can't say that. They, they can't say they have 50 people they've known for 30 years. And I can. And we're, I'm as close with them as I am with any of my family. And it's all skateboarding. And people, they simplify it where they're like, oh, it's a, even, even skateboarders are like, you know, just from riding a toy, but it's not. It's just, it's just that thing that you find, whatever it is. For me, that was it. And I've had moments where I didn't skate as much. Like when I lived in LA, I only skated like two times in four years. Now I skate almost, you know, three, four times a week. Did you really not skate that often in LA? I did. I, I, I remember in our driveway you... one time. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> but I remember we lived that. across the street from like now one of the most popular like uh Yeah, there's a great park in, on Chevy right? Chase. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, we lived. Yeah, there's places all over the place. in Glendale LA, High but... School, right? It's like no, popping now, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. I, I, I love what you're talking about. Like that, that is, you know, that there's this book called Sapiens where you already talks about, you read it. it's a pretty yeah, great, great book. book. And his yeah. main, his main premise is like what makes human beings, homo sapiens different than all the other animal kingdom is our ability to create these sort of identities, these mm-hmm. kind of almost fictions that we say, I am, uh, I am in your tribe. I am of you. Yeah. And like that, what you have with skateboarding is so beautiful. And like what David has with that guy that said, Obama, Obama, it'll cross over into this world, this tribe, it crosses over into this world more often than you'd think. Like I was at the skate park the other day and this dude, Mike came up and he goes, Hey, my buddy on the East coast, he's a real big fan of a uh, podcast that you're on. And he said it with a question mark. And I was like, he goes, I don't even know how he knows who you are. But I was like, that's awesome, man. Thank you. So Mike's boy, thank you for listening. But it, uh, yeah, it's the one thing that I can always, I know I have. And comedy, you know, unfortunately to a lesser extent is the same way. I mean, that's how I know everyone I know. Skateboarding and comedy are the two things where, you know, that's how, I mean, Ian and David are, like my family. I mean, I, you know, and I wouldn't know them if I didn't do stand up. So it's like that same thing, but with skating, I've just been doing more it of a philosopher, 20 years just more. to be clear about that. Shut I just want to sort of stay the fuck. You're a modern day up. philosopher, modern day philosopher. My time. Yeah. Okay. My time. <laughs> kind of a Foucault, Foucault type. Anyway, skating. I mean, I, we've beat it. We beat it to death on here, but uh, yeah, that's obviously I, I will be grateful till the day that I die. If I was a tattoo person, I'd have tattoos of skateboards. I don't. So, Anyway, Favorite all time skater. It's tough, man. It's switches. I thought it was Sean Malto. It's if I like gun to my head, it's gonna be Eric Costin. All he's just through and through, or like Andrew Reynolds, because they're old now and they still can just do anything. In the mid, it would be like a Sean Malto. He's probably 30 something. Um, I mean, there's I love Trent McClung. I mean, it it changes all the time. I see Costin in my neighborhood. I know frequently. you do. And probably yeah. Mike Carroll too. I think he lives over there too. Anyway, 
Um, favorite yeah, all time favorite all time. Favorite all-time gambler, Kenny Loggins. <laughs> little Joe. Else. Little Joe. Kenny, little Joe. Kenny Loggins. Little Joe's got to be the yeah, Kenny Loggins. Little Joe. I, like, I prefer Kenny Log off, dude. The analog version of Kenny Loggins. <laughs> Kenny Loggins gambled on a lot of theme songs, I'll tell you that. And they paid off. That guy Boy, did swimming in. And a whole album about Winnie the Pooh. Favorite video part, I think you said. And most of the time, it's Tom Penny and High Five. Uh, right. But then sometimes. I don't know why I mentioned Kenny Loggins. That was going to be my second draft uh, round. Yeah, draft that's it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why I. I'm thinking you <laughs> yeah, mean I Kenny Rogers for the gambler, but yeah, Kenny Loggins. Yeah, that is what I mean. That is what I mean. You're right, and you know that kind of wisdom can only be given from somebody that spent 30 years in the skate community. <laughs> yeah, dude, that's just that's just four wheels shaklacking on a and watch, sh- dude, King of the Hill when Hank gets drunk and he's like, "Play the gambler to some metal band." <laughs> <laughs> why are you looking anyway? Up? Skateboarding. Skateboarding. Yeah. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stressors, big and small. A huge one for me, you know, just people pleasing. And it's, you say it like it's a bad thing. It's just something that you need to get under control. All of these stressors, you know, you keep them bottled up. It starts to affect you negatively. Everybody. You don't have to feel weird if this stuff affects you. It affects everybody. And there's people again, myself included, who walk around trying to front like it doesn't, but it does. It always does. It always has. And therapy is a safe place to just get things off your chest. You to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down, all those problems. Even if you just want to vent or kvetch about somebody, go to therapy, get them new ears on it. You know what I'm talking about? Get it somebody who they're going to leak it to. They're not going to tell your homies. Go let them know. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills, how to set boundaries, how to do all those things that make you be a better you. As hokey as that sounds, that is what we are all going for. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. All right? Give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's convenient, flexible, and it's also suited to your schedule. All right? You just fill out a brief questionnaire. You get matched with a licensed therapist. You switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. If you don't like the cut of your therapist's jib, as it were, go on and switch. BetterHelp has got your back. They want it to work just like you do. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash AllFantasy today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash AllFantasy. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. I was, you know, a lot of my list is subculture that I have not participated in, but have observed from afar. But we're all getting so personal that I guess well, I, got I gotta go. Too, but yeah, I gotta reach on the shelf and and call for my own experiences. Though it's a little embarrassing, though. Isn't that one of the wonderful things about subculture? Do it, dude. I know what you're Speaking gonna do. Speaking of those sparks that you feel when all of a sudden, Moshe, kind of like that Harry Potter thing you were talking about. It's also that feeling where it's like, oh, all these things that like happen inside me, all these things that I'm good at and have never really had any place to put them. And then you find yourself somewhere and it clicks and you're like, oh, this, I can do this. I needed, I was in Portland State University, like preparing to be like a, I wanted to be a sports journalist or or something. You know what I mean? I had no idea, but I knew I needed an art credit to graduate. Probably a dentist. <laughs> and uh, I was looking at what like uh, what I could do to do the arts credits. There were like art history classes, and those seemed hard. There was like 
theater classes, painting. I was like, oh, that seems tough. And my uncle was teaching the intro to improv class at Portland State University. And I was like, oh, my uncle teaches it. There's probably not going to be any homework because you have to make everything up. And I walked <laughs> into that class and within three minutes of like doing the warmups, I was like, oh, this, like, this Whoa. is what I'm supposed to be doing. Like one of the, the strongest I've ever felt that in my entire life, more than anything else, more than like anything else I, until I got to stand up. But I was like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing this. And I was like, good at it immediately. And like I put stand up in the same in the same boat. I think it's one is, it's yeah, one magical thing. world you stepped yeah. into. Yeah. And I was getting I was getting like affirmation from people immediately. And I was like, oh, this. Oh, no. Like this is I mean, actually, I didn't say, oh, no. I was like, oh, yeah, I wasn't wary <laughs> of like how dangerous that like getting approval from strangers by making them laugh could end up being. But it was just like this feels fucking amazing. And this thing that I was just doing with buddies now, all of a sudden, I'm doing it to this room full of strangers. They're all laughing at me. The professor's laughing. The TA's laughing. And then, like, that took me on. You know, I did improv for, like, three or four years before I ever did stand-up. Like, I moved to L.A. I lived in, like, I found roommates. Ended up living in South Central so I could take Groundlings classes. Working at a P.F. Chang's in Torrance. Like, didn't know a soul down here. I didn't know a soul. I was, you know, working at the Delo Delamo Fashion Center, P.F. Chang's, probably serving Isaac some fucking get it, uh, some of that miso sea bass or whatever. And it just like it took <laughs> over my life and it like ruined it in the most beautiful way. Like it ruined whatever plans yeah. I had, had and like chucked those in the garbage. And I ended up leaving it behind because it was hard in Portland to find people. Because once I I did the two groundlings classes, I moved back to Portland. Cause it was going to be like a year wait to get into the writing lab. And I was like, I can't just be here in LA without anywhere to put my creativity. Cause there weren't like, I, you know, there wasn't, if you wanted to do improv and start a group, you couldn't like go put on a show somewhere. I didn't know anyone here. Nobody was going to come to it. Mm -hmm. uh, so I moved back to Portland and nobody in Portland took improv as seriously as I did. Cause again, they wanted to be dentists. That makes sense. <laughs> and I found stand up. Um, but it like nothing else just completely, took over my life. I was well, doing when you're local good shows at it too, Portland. that helps like right away. If you're good at the thing that flips the yeah. switch, that, that even more nurtures it where you're like, Oh man, this is dope. And I'm good at it. That's like, what are you going to do? It's this feeling like all of a sudden you turn around and you've walked through a gate and you're in a new universe. Like all of a yeah. sudden the world has reconfigured itself around you and you go, Oh, I live in a different dimension and I've discovered this thing that is true. That is imminently true. And like, I think we all kind of have that feeling on stage. Hopefully that's the thing that keeps you going. Like, what you else know, the is first the time you, go, <laughs> you gotta have that. Yeah. You're not, you're, you're not like I'm a master, but you're like, Oh, I have the ability for this to be something that belongs yeah. to me. Know that can kind of change my life. And, and that, that feeling is like, it's like Matt, it's the closest you get to magic. It's like, yeah. Oh, I stepped through a dimensional portal. Like I'm, I am a different human being. Oh, I'm a member of the, fucking you know it's like guardians of the galaxy i'm 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 in the guardians of the galaxy and i thought i was a regular boy i'm not yeah. it is what, it's ex sorry go ahead sean it's fun to grow up and not i remember when i was young i'd be like why are they so into that like if people were just into something i'd be like really what's fun about that but if everybody can find this feeling i don't care how they find it what however you find it it makes me so happy that people have those communities and they can find it because it's amazing and I want it for everybody. That everybody was one of those things that. that was nice about improv is that like, you know, in stand up to a degree, especially once you get to LA, like everybody's hustling pretty hard. You know what I mean? Yeah. Everybody is like, and when I was in Portland, 
the fact that the other improvisers weren't hustling that hard bummed me out. But there was also something nice about truly doing it for the love of the game. The ceiling for like a lot of these people was like that show we did last night (laughs) at the Clinton Street Theater where a hundred people came. Like, can you believe it? You're like, yeah, that is amazing. And that for them, that's the ceiling. And then they have a job in marketing the next day. And that's, you know, they do that. And there was also something beautiful about that, like little community thing. Most people, I mean, most people who do stand up don't make a living at it or, a, you know, at least a good one. Dude, I remember I remember the first time the feeling I got the first time someone asked me to do a gig and I asked her how much she would she paid. And she said two hundred and fifty dollars. I got more. I couldn't believe it. I remember it, that and I got shit. more. Exi- <laughs> I got more exhilaration from that. Uh, that feeling like I'm going to be paid to do this than I have selling shows to networks. Like, yeah, th- yeah. that, that feeling, I was just like $250 for, for me. For like nothing. I couldn't, it, it like for these melted. ideas, these stupid little things. Yeah. Like it's just crazy yeah. where you're just like, it's yeah, it's bananas, man. I remember you're like, you, fu- all right, I'll take it. You fucking yeah. moron. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Give me them greenbacks. Well, you, you know, you're listen, you're tempted to say, uh, how lucky we are to have found, figured out this hustle. But in fact, like it's not luck in any way. It's like, it's yeah. all that grinding, all that free grinding and all that discovery of your, pa- your superpower. Like, yeah, it's not for nothing that you find yourself in those situations. It's for all the work that you do. And for a little bit of fairy dust, kind of like gambling luck magic, like don't walk through the, the lion's mouth kind of magic. Yeah. Like you walked into that improv class. Like I think about that a lot and that's all through this book. Like, if you hadn't walked into that improv class, if for some reason a cute girl had said, oh, I'm doing like a history symposium, you yes. might be in a different universe. You might be a dentist. And, yeah. you know, you might be literally in a, like my thing in the, uh, is I started stand up because I was doing a semester abroad and the semester got cut short uh, because of uh, there was an international incident that was occurring. And I just had nothing to do. I was like, had three months where I had no, no thing, nothing to do. So I decided to fly to New York and hang out because uh, I got out of school like three months early. And Chelsea Peretti was there and I'd grown up with her in Oakland. And yeah. she was like, I do stand up now. And I was like, what is what? A, what? Mm. Like, mm-hmm. what do you mean? Because that like, doesn't feel and like a like, thing you can do. Like before you do no, it, you're like, Ed, nobody Eddie Murphy does that. Does that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eddie Murphy yeah. does that, I think. And that's kind of it. You know, like I was not a kid that was like, I will always uh, be a standup. You know what? I was a kid. I, I, I would have said, I, w- I want to be a writer. And so when I opened the, yeah. the box of my books last night and realized I had written two books and that, that that's in the past tense, Pretty I got sick. very emotional. Cause I was like, I just, I can't believe that that thing that I manifested when I was a kid is, is real about me, but you're doing it. Chelsea was doing standup and she's like, yeah, I, I go, you're do you do, how can you do standup? How can a person do standup? You're yeah. a girl. She took me you're to a, a guy who's just going to. No, 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 <laughs> no, no, more like you're a human. You're a real yeah, person. Yeah, person. Yeah, you're no, I know. <laughs> truly, truly. And she took me, because I think of women as humans and David, that's the difference between the two of us. <laughs> also okay? back, you back know. then. <laughs> not to stop on this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> back then, like now you could Google like open mics, uh, Milwaukee or whatever it is you live back no. then it was like you had to know somebody or you had to like know where it was happening no. you had to ask around totally the first five seven years of stand-up that i did it when people who looked like i did said i do st-, like they would go you go i do stand-up they go what you mean you're yeah. a dj yeah. no 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 yeah. i do stand-up <laughs> yeah like, stand-up there you do stand-up like yeah. that doesn't make sense <laughs> like people that look like now every now stand-up is the djing of the early 2000s like, 100%, everybody's yeah 
Yeah, Everybody. there's dads doing Everybody's it in like, their basement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're required to do it. Like your Twitter bio has to be like, you know, UN attache to uh, the secretary general, uh, a think tank operator and stand up comedian. You must do yeah. comedy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But but so Chelsea took me to a uh, a show that night. I saw um, Sarah Silverman and Patrice O'Neill. And I uh, and I, I was like, I didn't know who either of them were. And I I with Patrice. I only thing I remember is Patrice making fun of Michael J. Fox's parkinson's and i was like <laughs> i was like what is this like cold what? Blooded. Cold blooded what is, what it is. this like, you, well it's cold-blooded but it was probably hilarious because i had already been writing i'd been writing already i've been writing these like long-form dramatic monologues in like in college so i thought like maybe i'll be a monologist i didn't know what i wanted to be and then seeing patrice do that in such a yeah like you said like cold-blooded like pro- profane actually so funny that you uh, thought spalding gray was a more like reasonable career path than stand-up comedian <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> but you know what you're saying like looking at that go oh you can just do this for funny like nothing else like patrice wasn't up there trying to like make me emote he was like finding the funniest th- i just it like like short-circuited me then the next night chelsea was doing the show yeah. Uh, and so I went and saw a person I knew and she killed. I go, whoa, those two weird gods that I've never heard of just did that. And then this human being is doing it. I go, I think I can maybe try this. Yeah. And I said to her, when you come to the Bay Area in, this was in June. I said, when you come in August, I'll have written five minutes of material. Will you take me to an open mic? And so she came and we did. And I started doing stand up. And now here I am, like the second book. I got my daughters in school. I'm, my wife is a stand up. Like if I hadn't had my, semester canceled that year if i hadn't stayed in touch with chelsea if i had all these little like sort of tiny little dimensional things needed to occur in order for me to have the life that i have now and be talking to you guys right now and like yeah that's that journey that kind of weird you were on a path you didn't know you were on this whole time is like to me truly the theme of my book dog where was your first open mic i just have to, i'm just really oh, curious. Yeah. luggage store luggage store gallery tony sparks of course yeah, was the man yeah, 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 that yeah. introduced me at my first open <laughs> mic and and like i said like it wasn't like i got up there and demolished but i got up there and i did and i i was funny enough to go yeah. let's do one more i and always tell people more start to put this thing man, together shout out to, shout out to tony i the brainwash was my first mic also a tony sparks baby i remember the brainwash Tony sparks they had that good show tony there sparks right like or no the imp- Pick us somewhere else. Sorry. And by the way, by the way, speaking of speaking of Tony Sparks, there is a Tony Sparks in every community. And those people, those people are like our, you know, the, the, the lighthouse keepers on this journey that we're on. Like these people that, that, that grab you in the very early stages of your standup and say like, you're good enough to keep going. Like without Tony, I might be, it might not, I might not have continued as well without a guy Same. going like, I'm your cheerleader. I got ours your back. Ours might have been it's like Lonnie, exactly Lonnie, Lonnie Bruin. Paradise yeah. or Lonnie Bruin. Those Lonnie would have been Bruin. ours. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, going back to that kismet thing, which is so weird and like uh, uh, the magic of subcultures, like your wife, Natasha, was the first person I ever opened for at Helium. But going back oh, even oh, before cool. that, one of the reasons I like... When I was doing improv and stand-up at the same time for a while, the very first Bridgetown I ever did, I only did improv. The second Bridgetown I ever did, I remember I got put on a show at the Hawthorne Theater. I don't remember who else was on it, but you were on it. It was like I was by Uh far the youngest, worst comedian on it. I think you were like the next youngest comedian on the show. And they were like, then there were two Uh other really great comedians. And I remember getting off stage after my set and you took me aside and told you were like, hey, man, that was really funny. That was good. And like, you know, you were from out of town. I was like, 
Oh, I, you were cool. fucking hilarious. And like, that was one of the things where I was like, I think I might stop doing improv. I think ah, I might just like throw myself into this completely. Dude. But that's one of those like crazy, like kismet moments where you were like, just that, how much that means to get that, like those little benchmarks. Totally. To have that like comedian oh, yeah, you I respect know. tell you you're funny is like so massive. I remember that set, dude, and I was being fake. I'm from, I had moved to LA. At that time. I was being fake. It wasn't good. You learned. You learned. Yeah, I was just too improv. Yeah. I don't know if it was good. I didn't watch it. I was being fake. I did not yeah. see it. I was being fake. No, yeah, no, I yeah. remember always. I, but I, 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 and I, I love that. I love that, that I was, that I, and you're that for somebody else, Ian, and, yeah. and David and Sean, yeah. like everybody's been that for someone where you go, you, you know, you acknowledge me. Those moments are so like big because, you have such uh, uh, imposter syndrome. I did oh, in yeah. stand up for I'll such have it till a long I die, time. Man. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're yeah, not funny. Uh, me too. Uh, I appreciate uh, it. <laughs> <laughs> One of these days, it's I'll not be funny. imposter syndrome. It's <laughs> yeah. not imposter syndrome at all. You're, you're not an You just got. You just got <laughs> imposter. Yeah. I own a house. It's built on laughs. <laughs> it's not a syndrome, man. You are. Impo- you are not welcome here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Psych. Yeah, psych. Oh, thanks, bro. Yeah, Yeah, the thing about being that for someone else is the trip where you're like, where you're just like, man, I, uh, we'll talk about it later. But a rapper one time stopped and said, like, gave me, like, said hi and took a photo with me one time and it meant the world to me. And uh, anytime somebody wants to take a photo or anything, if it shocks me when that happens, but of course, it's always going to happen because that one person took the time. And I was like, oh, if that did that for me, if I can ever do that for anyone, it, first of all, it's insane. But Second of all, it'll always happen. I will never not do that. Totally. I'm going to make my second pick now. Uh, yeah. It's, it's almost like we've all picked stand-up comedy. That can be because we are yeah, going to talking our, all that yeah. shit up top. Right? Yeah, yeah, I, was like, I don't give a fuck about that shit. <laughs> got that shit is played, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. At the end, uh, we're all like, what do you think? Is it on my artistic journey? Is it, I didn't know who I was until I stepped on that stage. It's my church. It's my turn. We're all smoking. Uh, it's like, I think, yeah. I think about a story that Marin told about us. Yeah. <laughs> We're all 63 of, uh, of WTF. Uh, my second pick is going to be something that dominated my middle school years and my early high school years. Jacking Jack off. off. No, are you serious? <laughs> no, oh. No, oh, man. That's no, not Jack. subculture. <laughs> I think that's just culture. Nah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah. No. All that is is playing dice that's where what, something fun happens at the end oh, no matter what. Yeah. I now, that's what I call little Joe. <laughs> <laughs> he is jacking off again. How do you know? He's doing the dice thing. I wish seven. <laughs> Come eleven. Uh, I uh, no, it's ma- massively multiplayer online role playing games, yeah, MMORPGs. Yeah. No, that's good. Specifically for me, yeah. this game called Ultima, Ultima online. online. Yeah, <laughs> sucked me in. I remember my like. I always loved video games growing up. You know, I was like, I was a little fat kid. Like I was, you know, but you didn't need to be a little fat kid to enjoy video games. But I especially enjoyed video games, it I think, helped. because it was it helped. It definitely helped. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Where it was like I wasn't quite I wasn't on like the A team at Rec League basketball, but I was on the A team at fucking Goldeneye. You know what I mean? You come find me like giving everybody the business. Uh but when my brother brought this game home, it was like immersive and you got to be whoever it was you wanted to be. You got to create your own identity. And I got like heavily into the role playing aspect of it. I was like in a community of people who like role played. You were a dom. I was a dom. I was, 
Is that your I name, was a, Dom? I was a ranger. I named myself, I swear to God, this is true. I named myself Antonio Montana. Because I had seen Scarface, Scarface baby. Because I had seen Scarface. You want to play? Yeah. And then I yes. got into it, and I started building this character up, and I got into it too far. Where I was like, people are like, like from Scarface, and I was like, oh, yeah, but I'm playing a no. ranger. And I wrote, and like I did this thing where I left off the H's, so I typed like I had a Cockney accent, even though my name was Antonio Montana. Um, you could be whoever you wanted there. You could be whoever you wanted to be. And I was like, I got Antonio Montana's it. over there. We were on ICQ, which was this like early messaging app where you would like message each other and like you would go, oh, every time you got a message and you were like communicating and you had this whole community. I like became friends with people who lived like in other parts of the country of all ages, like crazy age. I saw boobs for the first time because like there was this either this dude pretending to be a woman, <laughs> but I don't think it was. Because I ended up like talking to her in like uh, in in real life, where she like sent me a you picture of her you, boobs. You saw bo actual boobs, or you saw the numbers eight zero zero nine five. That's all I needed. Yeah. No, yeah. You, she sent you a picture of her actual boobs. Yeah. Uh, was her face in that picture? Yes. Oh, yeah, you still yeah, got yeah, it. Yeah. Still got it. No, no, no. Oh, yeah. Do you still have it? No, <laughs> yeah. no, 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 no. Hold on, I'll share it. I'll put it in the chat. No, uh, no that's like 16 computers ago. I have no idea. But, like, but you had it for a minute. I had it for a while. It meant as long as you a could. couple. Yeah, dude, you stay you stay alive long enough, and strange things will start to happen in that realm. You know, like yeah. you ever you ever uh, you ever catching a nice. Um, uh, Jerk off subculture when you don't, but you don't have porn. I call it like jerking off pioneer style. Yeah, you just yeah, have to yeah. like use your memory. You have to go like go through your memories of lovers. Oh, and yeah. And you're kind of going. You're like flicking through different. And then I mind jacking. Uh, I had that happen. Mind jack. Yeah, I did that, and all of a sudden, a, an image came into my mind, and I realized, oh, she's she's dead. Yeah. That oh, dead. yes, that's <laughs> happened to me. I'm so glad somebody said that. That is the great. That's called Ghost Jack. That's yeah, Ghost, ghost Jack. Right Where you're pulling yeah. the book off the shelf, blow off the dust, and it's like, oh, no, then this you're is a ghost like story. A, yeah. Then you're in a moral quandary where you're like, well, I'm going to finish. Yes, yes. yes. Well, out of respect, you know, out of respect for the day. Honoring the memory. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I only think about my wife, so, you know, that's that's just me. And <laughs> when you masturbate. Yeah, I'm just a married guy thinking about my wife. That's, you that's know, beautiful. one of my Very super, beautiful. super Well, you're married. looking at her. You're standing with uh, at the foot of the bed. Oh, you sleeping, that? right? <laughs> what are we having for dinner? <laughs> no, but Sean, Sean's making eye contact, but he's rolling back and forth because he's on a skateboard the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like, honey. It's a busy living room sometimes. Were you yeah. gonna, Moshe, Were you gonna say you? They say you die twice when you actually die. And when yeah, they say you die twice. Your physical death and the last time someone jerks off to you. <laughs> Damn. How far do you think that goes? Uh, like, let's say you died tomorrow. How many years do you think till the last person who jerks off in your memory is? That depends. That's like a tough. I do wonder about that. It's Isn't a very it a nice curious. thought to think that out the, the, depends on nice how old you are out there somewhere. Maybe someone is thinking of you when they mess. That's a I kind was of just a thinking about idea. that. Yeah, it's good. It is, it's probably true. I doubt it. But probably. do you think? No, that's that's <laughs> crazy, Sean. I doubt it. Someone's jacking <laughs> off to you, Sean. Someone's jacking off. Just someone's by the nature of the size Sean. of this platform, 
someone's jacking off to you. If, they might if, even if be on the Zoom. Yeah. They might even be on the Zoom right now, buddy. Well, somebody yeah, do I, it, please. I just somebody, blacked out. Uh, they might be. Uh, they might even be jacking off on the Zoom right now. <laughs> yeah. Isaac, Isaac, turn your camera. You can't see the bottom. Isaac, are you of jacking I'm doing it right now. Oh my god, that's exactly what I'm doing. There we go. Keep your camera on. Yeah. That feels weirdly racial with the the talk of the Chinese people back then. But all right. right. Isaac, you're Korean. Korean. You're Korean. No. (laughs) Stop Korea and China are different, Isaac. I mean, I know that, but do you? Get him him in. Some people, man. Uh, Yeah. Ultima Online. I don't want to get too far. The woman who sent me her boobs, I was probably 15. She was in her... 30? 60s, 20s, dude. 30s? Come <laughs> wow. on, man. Set, don't, so, don't. Let's not put that on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, let's not yeah. put that on that. Awesome. Uh, but weird. This is a, a, window into, a window into my brain is when I first heard about, I think it was, uh, what's the first one? EverQuest? Is that right? EverQuest was after Ultima the, Online. But, or no, maybe it was okay, so when before. I, when I heard about EverQuest and I heard people losing their lives to it, you know, like yeah. getting sucked into it and never... I, my first thought was, oh, I got to try that. Like I, yeah. I heard I've lost my life to it. And I was like, that sounds like my kind of thing. I should get into that. I lost my life to it. I like earnestly. And I yeah. was in school, which was bad. I missed like they, when I was leaving middle school, graduating from middle school, whatever word you want to say, they tried to put me in remedial classes as a freshman. Cause my grades in middle school were so bad. Cause I was so swallowed up by this game. Cause that's a, it's just this toxic like it's it's those years for identity for anyone are so bad and so confusing and so scary like the, even the people who are popular in middle school shit's not going great so if all of a sudden you're presented with this world where you can craft your own identity and be whoever it is you want to be rather than coming to terms with who it is you actually are and working on that person like <laughs> it fucked me up I loved it but it was also like <laughs> it fucked me up I think I got. My weight problem got much, much worse because of it. And I think also my identity, my schoolwork, all that stuff. Luckily, I recovered. But yeah, they wanted to put me in the catapult was the program. I have a friend who we all know, a comedian who one of his childhood best friends disappeared for like three. He, he, oh, this is a good detail. He went to medical school. He yeah. was a doctor. But then he could finally got out and his parents were like off his back because he had gone to medical school and was like, great, I got I'm a doctor. Bye. And went into uh, a multiplayer uh, online game, disappeared for like three years, didn't practice medicine, disappeared oh for like three years, four years. All of a sudden he popped back out and they were all like, he's back. Our friend is back. And because he had fallen in love with a woman in the world and then uh, the person had revealed that he had been catfished and it was a man. So oh. he popped out and was like, Talk, like, I can't do it anymore. Uh, and he came back and they're like, yeah, you're back. You're back. And then six months later, he just sort of disappeared again and oh, i don't think they even know where he is he's just in there somewhere damn. and that's crazy he's a doctor oh, he is a doctor, a doctor. <laughs> that's yeah wild. well i guess technically sean jordan uh i'm gonna go ahead and say the uh the underground hip-hop scene oh yeah um Classique. it like obviously all all the like snoop and dre and tupac 
absolutely uh, under, defined big underground me. Artists. No. Yeah, yeah, they, underground no, they artists. defined me. But then, as soon as I heard Atmosphere for the first time, and then um, some of the other groups, like you needed a white guy to be like, "This is my language." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as I heard, as soon as I heard somebody who looked like different me, different about it. this guy. <laughs> I something different. I don't know <laughs> what it is. It's like the, it's the way he it carries feel himself. Like a magical superpower yeah. until I, just now. Wait a minute, I could be with him. I could be a rapper. This guy gets me from old skate videos with like souls of mischief and like black sheep and all like uh just all of it it just like immediately i <laughs> knew that Cos, I... just you're saying the least white rappers possible <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know yeah, sage yeah. francis yeah. idea uh, brother ali professor just griff all... <laughs> professor, uh, sister soldier yeah. uh, you know just all <laughs> oh my god it, yeah it, it all made me feel like part of a community in the same way very skateboard adjacent but like you could go to these shows and it was a bunch of people you're like crammed in some Morton building somewhere in the middle of South Dakota, or like we'd go to Mankato or sometimes go all the way up to Minneapolis or like some college town. And you just, there'd be people would rap for eight people. I saw idea brother Ali and atmosphere do a show for eight people one time at a upstairs of a bar in Vermilion, South Dakota. And they did the same show they would do. I would later see them all do for like 10,000 people. So that like yeah, directly cool. informed so- my outlook on standup where I never complain about how many people are there. If you're yeah. there, you're there. Thank you for coming. It's never a fuck you. Why didn't you bring your friends? I hate that shit. I complain uh, privately. I don't yeah. complain at the oh, crowd. Man. Behind closed yeah. doors, they can all fucking take a long yeah. walk up a short pier, bud. But, you know, out front, I'm just saying. It's like, it's just one of those things that made me feel like I was part of something again. And just, it was like, I don't know, it felt like a little more nuanced than... Tupac. <laughs> Not saying I don't love Tupac, but it just felt a little more like, okay, this no, is a little it's, more. No, you see the root, because again, those people are, those gods, you're like, well, they're born from the skull of another god. Like, it seems yeah. impossible that they exist. And then you do see like, you see MF Doom like, and you're like, my god, this is, this is what I'm talking about. Or like Aesop Rock, another white guy, Aesop Rock. But I mean, just this. But like, I mean, the, the thing of it being like a white guy, which like we joke about, but you're like, oh, they're people using this to actually like atmosphere was probably talking about things that you could relate to in real life running out of gas in minnesota yeah i mean yeah. he grew up in minnesota that's <laughs> uh at but least just it that, connected more directly to your life rather than like the metaphor the feelings of like what some of those bigger rappers which you of course you could connect to you could connect to like shit that like tupac was talking about in a, basically the same more guy zoomed out way <laughs> but in a more zoomed in way you could be like oh yeah like the events happening no, in the i song can relate Grubstack. to tupac because my uh, my mama was a black queen mama. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kelly Jordan's not. Did that riff feel worth it? It didn't. <laughs> cut it out. Please cut no, it out. Isaac, you gotta, it. You got to allow people to feel how they feel about things. I think. You got to put up shots. What I say. Oh, you, you mean when you riff and it bombs, you got to allow, allow oh, people that, to you not gotta like sit the riff? In it. You got to <laughs> sit yeah, in yeah. it. <laughs> now that whole, just that whole, I don't know, the whole, the whole vibe of it, I still, I try as much as I can. I still will sometimes, if I'm like really juiced at a festival or something, I'll put on like some old, I don't know, Souls of Mischief gets brought up a lot, like, or like hieroglyphics, like old, it's just fun. <laughs> It'll get you going in the right way. Oh, yeah. There, yeah. oh, dude, I, fuck, who are some of those? This isn't exactly underground. But I was getting my hair cut yesterday and I was telling the girl that was cutting it. She's not young. She was probably 29, 30 years old. Uh, like who I listened to when I was a kid. I don't know how it came out because she'd gone to like a, the uh, the uh, iHeartRadio Festival where it was all oh, these yeah. like, you know, right. pop, pop <laughs> punk hits of the of the 90s and 2000s. And I was like, oh, I didn't listen to that. I mostly listened to hip hop when I was really young. 
you know, all this West Coast gangster rap stuff. But then I was like, I was into some other more positive stuff. And I said, De La Soul. And she's like, oh, who's that? I go, oh, oh, oh that's crazy. And it's partially, you know, hey, people are young, but I think it's actually De La in particular, their whole catalog was missing for like 15 years. So it's a lot of people that could have transmitted, could have transmitted that information of who they were. It's, there was no transmission to be had. And they're kind of like, they've just disappeared from people's memories in that way. If they had been on Spotify, do you know how many fucking three feet high and rising t-shirts or urban outfitters (laughs) would have sold, dude? Like endless that like their, their whole aesthetic was very like aligned with what kids are wearing now. Come on. plug. Yeah. Because it was interesting. It was interesting. Like that, that, De La and stuff became the 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 big hits of the of the version of you know they were the they were the more mainstream version of that like sort of positive thoughtful kind of hip hop stuff and then mm-hmm. it kind of d- disappeared into bling money and 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 then kind of came back in this generation this generation has that again on you know on like the Kendrick thing and like mm-hmm. I think that's interesting that they, it kind of blipped out for a while like mainstream. But underground roots rap kind we were of a little thing. decadent. And I think we're kind of back to that. Well, a little more yes, money to throw decadence. around. <laughs> it was money. There was a lot of moet. There was a lot of moet. I like the big money. Give me a shiny suit. Yeah. I'm going to a Diddy <laughs> party. <laughs> uh, yeah, underground rap. There we go. Uh, and you're a rapper, so you're you're like native. Yeah, I'm on Spotify, baby. You know it. They know it. The world knows it. Do you rap for real? Boy, I tried. I, I made a rap song called uh, Gear Crisis about how I can't wear Nike and Adidas at the same time. And it is the hardest shit I've ever tried to do. We just talked about it yesterday. Although in this world, it's like a month from now. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, difficult. I don't mean the most gangster. It was, Horror. I've never it's felt so small. I felt so small and so sweaty. I was like, it is hard. Dude. And naively, I thought it was going to be so much easier. And by the way, I sound just like this when I think I sound different. Like when I'm rapping, I sound just like this. So it's good. He raps in a speaking That's good. voice. I, yeah. I, I hate, I hate a, uh, a, a uh, cadence change from a white rapper where all of a sudden I'm like, oh, you're from Atlanta? I didn't see this coming. You yeah. sounded like a computer programmer five minutes ago. <laughs> I, I have, I have a, um, when I was a little boy, because I was raised in Oakland, everybody wanted to be a rapper. And yeah. I started thinking I would be a rapper. I'm talking third, fourth grade. And I wrote a rap. Um, and I still remember some of it, but Come I on. wanted a nickname. I wanted a nom de plume. Easy, Fila. You didn't name, have Fila first, yet? This is pre-Fila. I'm talking okay. little kid. Fila. And uh, you want to hear some of the bars? Yes. Yeah, of course. What the people are begging. Okay. Oh, but, uh, let me tell you who I was, though. I needed a nom de plume. I needed a rap name. My name, my first name is Mark. My middle name is Moshe. That's two M's. I am not joking. No way. Oh, where are you have an M? I was Eminem. That's right. I was Eminem. Um, but this is pre-Eminem as well. I'm mean, talking, this is like 82, 80, 85. But yeah. wait, let me he, see he, listens, it goes. he listens. I know he does. So he's, well, he's going to get that. Bizarre listens. And he tells Eminem. <laughs> well, I, I was the original Eminem. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying I'm the best Eminem, okay? Yeah. Or the most skilled Eminem, but I was the first Eminem. So you're playing Eminems and he's Peanut. That's right. <laughs> um, okay, this is I'm, this is fourth grade, okay, uh, or third grade. I've never hooked up with a girl. I just have heard like rap, and it goes. I I don't remember it all, but it goes. I make money, yeah. and that's not funny. I use my money to get honey from Bunny, who used to be my girlfriend, but now we're just fucking as if there had been no end to our relationship. Yeah, she's a trip, but she's fine. 
She got the best damn pussy I tasted in a long time. It tastes good. <laughs> it tastes like fish. But on occasion, she can be a real bitch. Anyway, I don't know. Freaky tales that you tell so well. Freaky tales that you tell so well. From Freaky Tales. It must have been me just quoting Freaky Tales. I'm sipping my body. Ladies and gentlemen, Eminem on the ones, the twos, the threes, the fours. Holy Who bucket. is the best Eminem? Who is that, the best Eminem? It's I think that's a legitimate like, question. I like you being in third grade, being like the best pussy I tasted in a long in time. In a long He's time. Since I, was, <laughs> since I was born. And also, and also, oh, this is great. It tastes like fish. Like, it just shows you how little I know. About, I just don't know anything. <laughs> you put Man, that shit Eminem, together, though. You put that shit together, though. Eminem laced it up. Quite nice. Yeah, Man. there we go. Uh, excellent. <laughs> David, your second pick. Uh, this is a weird one, but this is like, uh, this is a thing that came into my life at a time where I really needed a hobby. I really needed something that was just for pure, pure enjoyment. And it was like, a, it was a whole world I never thought I had access to. So every time I would see these people, they'd be really encouraging and stuff. I'm taking black fishermen. Oh, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Like Paul George. Cool. Yeah, because it's like it was like I had just got home from trying to go to college and it went real bad. Escaped like <laughs> got myself in some deep trouble, got out of some trouble, came home, had nothing going on. And my best friend at the time is is black. And he was like, I just he was like, all I do is go to work and fish now. And I was like, the fuck are you? What? Like, I didn't even that's not even on my radar. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he's like, he's like, cause he had just gotten out of jail and gotten sober. And he's like, bro, I just work in fish. I just work in fish. And I was like low key homeless. And he was like, you can come live at my house. I got this girl who can set you up with a job and let's just be fishing buddies. And we started and it would be just me and him. And we got really into it. Like we got really, really like I was fishing. We'd fish before work, after work every day. And it would just be like, You'd be at these places and sometimes they'd be like, this is fucking corny. Or we'd go up ice fishing in the mountain and you'd see the one black guy. And yeah. he'd always be like, I'm so happy to see y'all out here. I'm from Texas. We do like, it was like, <laughs> it was always so much love. And they would hit you off with knowledge and like, what are you working with? Oh, this is blah, 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 blah. And it would be like, it would happen, you know, once or twice a month. And every time you saw another black guy in that space, that you would just be so warm and so welcoming and so like, I'm glad you're here. Good to be here. And then now you have it on Instagram where I have black guys who fish who I just follow. Shout out to Hoodfish ENT or Hog Snatcher or all these guys. And it's just like, it's the space I that I never thought. That's why. It's a space that I never thought, I never even thought to occupy. And it feels very alienating a lot. Like, you sometimes because sometimes we would pull up and like when we were younger, we would pull up on our bullshit, smoking weed and playing rap music and then like talking shit and being loud and stuff like that. And it would be like these like very kind of white, not open spaces. And but when you would see these guys and they would and you would understand that there's like a history of this and we can do everything. And black people do do this going back forever and ever. And it's just like. That's that's how the three of us felt going to hip hop show. We were, that's the same exact feeling. I pulled up with my bucket hat and my uh, and my vest full of lures, and people were like, "Hey, bang, 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 who's rapping tonight?" Um, but yeah, it's always always great for me. Always, you'll really still drop me. a line, right? 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, you go ice still, fishing still. Yeah, I still go fishing, and the <laughs> I still go fishing with black people. And now there's like Instagrams about it, and like especially black people specifically within the outdoor space. There's yeah. like a lot of it that you can see. But all this shit was before, even before MySpace was really cracking up. You know what I mean? So it was just like to see a guy who to me was just like a regular guy out there was always like, and just always so encouraging. Keep going, keep going. Oh, what'd you guys get? What'd you get? Oh, okay. Go over there next. You know what I mean? Just like really, really encouraging. It always felt like some each one teach one type shit. So this the, oh, yeah. that's really cool. This is going to sound like an ignorant question, but I swear it's, it's not, it's like because you pulled up earlier, like smoking weed and listening to rap music, do you still, Smoke weed and listen to rap music. I mean, smoking weed, I imagine, but I don't like, listen to music anymore because yeah, I like I just gonna, being that's out. That's what I wanted to know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to wreck. But the I vibe. still smoke weed. But like a lot of people, fish and smoke. Weed. It's like because fishing is you know, not like Ivan, it doesn't have the Ivan through Carmel's a big yeah, my dad uh, fish used and to smoke weed. Guy. I dare I say my dad smoked weed and fished. I don't even think, <laughs> I think it was a little fishing. I um, what you were talking about, David? Like, uh, that's such a cool world that you're describing, and like with the Instagramification of that world, like a lot in the book is, like I said, there's a part of it that's like a kind of a lament about how the internet delivering culture to young people has taken away the kind of magic accidental journey through life. And so there is a part of it that's like, that's, there's a sadness to me about that though. Like TikTok delivers to you what culture should be and music all feels mush on top of itself. And it's sort of genreless and fashion is, is, hip hop and punk and everything is just the same thing. And so there is in the book a big lament about that. But also what you're describing is, is, is a new kind of magic that has been uh, manifested from the internet, which is like these universes that used to be, because that's a lot of what subculture is, is like you wink at someone and go, we share a secret. Like yeah. we're in the same club and we share a world. And so like things like black fishermen or like, you know, blacks, there's an ebony surf club that I follow on Instagram. Right. It's a black surfing group because I I like to surf and they look like they're having more fun than me because they're always having these beach parties that I wish I was invited to. We've I talked be invited about to beach this on, on here. <laughs> I swear to God, we've talked. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry, sorry. But the, but the internet has created, it taken away, obviously that magic or whatever, but it's also created these like bridges, these portals to like mm. welcome more people into, into new spaces. Uh, which I think is, is, it's big magic and it's big power. Like you think about yeah. being born gay in, uh, you know, deep South Dakota or whatever, like it used choosing, to be more of a challenging choosing prospect. To be choosing, gay. To be gay choosing to be gay. Choosing to be gay. Choosing to be gay in Thank South you. Dakota. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, there's no possibility you choose to be. In fact, being born gay in South Dakota proves that it is not a choice. I think people might choose to be gay, but they wouldn't choose to be in South Dakota. I've been saying that since <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. we had one kid in high school who was openly, openly out. And I'm like, there's no way he made the choice to make this his situation. I mean, that, that you'd be You're right. You'd just be a sadist. But yeah, but that kid now can go online and go, oh, my God, there's there's a hundred thousand person parade in San Francisco and Los Angeles. I'm not alone. And yeah. then to smaller things, like what you're talking about, David, like you had to have a guy literally nudge you and say, hey, come to the river. And now yeah. a kid can open up Instagram and go, oh, wow, there's all these people like me that are out there and I can go find my destiny uh, through digital paths. And I think about it, especially just specifically for black people, there's so many cultural things where it's just like that's white people shit or that's whatever that mm-hmm. you don't you don't even realize that there's an avenue into it. At all, you know what I mean? Unless you're brave enough to do it by yourself, which a lot of people, like I would have never, I wouldn't have even known I liked it. I would have never gone 
fishing by no. myself. You know right. what I'm saying? I've done none of this by myself. I didn't go skating by myself. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. My first but like to be able alone. to see that and like and just those guys to always be like, oh, like I, I swear to every time, every time, always cool about it. Always like yeah. keep going. You know what I mean? That shit's like, yeah, that shit's very, very important. Beautiful. That's very legit. I was playing a board game with my daughter the other day. She's almost six. And one of the categories was uh, white people nonsense. And uh, it was like a, it was like a categories kind of thing. And, it, oh, and yeah. she's like, what's white people nonsense? And we were like, um, I don't really, I don't, mm, well, I think it's just like, you know what white people do? And she's like, like, be happy, be Every, like, <laughs> like, Full of white people like, nonsense. Well, white people yeah. are, I guess, kind of like lame. And so it's sort of like that. Yeah. Honey. Char- anyway. Charcuterie? Uh, like, yeah, but it's even just no. There was that stuff white people like era of culture where it's like, where that was also low key, like gatekeepy in a way. It's, where it's oh, like, right, yeah. right. It's maybe it's totally high key gatekeepy. But like, yeah. now we're sort of, hopefully, board games in the future won't have white people nonsense it'll just have jewish nonsense mm-hmm. well I, I guarantee the way things are going which brings me to my final <laughs> my next draft pick no it doesn't it doesn't, it doesn't. um israel no um we here's the crazy that's, thing now that's Moshe, what i call a subculture sean has to go to the airport this is right the now? least far we've well, gotten through. Long, yeah, yeah. Well, you tell me dude In, uh, you know soon, soonish yeah yeah just because we like carrying right, on well, i'll just I mean, you do so your do last one pick, more and, and we'll just, call just do, it two, a day. We'll just do a... two picks. Oh, right. no, no, no. We don't have to just do two picks. You got to be, you need to be up front and not aw shucks about when you need to be at the yeah. airport right now. Don't miss like, your plane. Don't, don't miss your flight for this shit. When, what time is your flight? I should be there by 1245. Yeah. So we should wrap up after this pick. I mean, we can, we can throw the rest in there, right? We can just pepper them in. I mean, just like say him quick, Listen, right? My, my next draft pick. I'll just say this is, is AA deafness Judaism and Burning Man. Okay, if that's one so that's one subculture to me. I don't know. No, I was going to pick Deaf deafness Jewish Burning I Man figured... was the less successful follow up to Deaf Comedy Jam. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I thought I'd pick deafness just because I think you know I've I've mentioned the other things and raves and Burning Man. I mean, listen, there's a lot of great stories of Burning Man that I could tell you guys about over the years of going since the '90s. But it is pretty similar to raves. Um, And deafness has been a gigantic part of my life. And it's a subculture that I think a lot of people don't understand fully. A lot of people look at people signing on a movie and just go, oh, how beautiful. But they don't understand uh, the amount of of self-determination and sort of revolutionary action that had to occur in order for you to be seeing somebody sign in CODA. Um, It's a a 300-year history. I mean, 300 years ago, there was no sign language system in the world uh the only sign system that existed that uh was just what would happen it was it was accidental we're talking about the accidents of history that make or break your life like Mm -hmm. in in the book i talk about this if you were born deaf and usually you would be born the one deaf person and this is back when you know people get deaf or would go deaf for a lot of more reasons than they do now because it was you know an ear ear infection and you don't have an ear infection yeah and so if you're born deaf and you're the one deaf kid in your village, um, that odds are that that's what would happen with most deaf people. They'd be the one deaf person in their family and the one deaf person in their village. They just had to figure out some gesturing system to be able to tell their dad, like, you know, I'm hungry or whatever. They couldn't communicate. But if you were born lucky enough to have genetic deafness in your family 
and have two deaf kids come into your family. So you and your sister could then create a language between the two of you, literally a language of two. You would invent an organic language between the two of you and it would be a sign system, but it still wasn't a recognized sign system because it was a language of two. And one day this priest, this French priest, the Abbe de Epay or whatever, in the 1700s, he walked into a village and he saw two deaf sisters signing back and forth to one another. And he saw it and he goes, I know what that is. That's a language. And so he said to the sisters, teach me. And they taught him. And he, all he wanted to do was teach them enough language so that they could take the communion so they could take, they could be, they could go to heaven. That was his only concern. It was like, (laughs) if they can't say, if they can't take communion, they can't go to heaven. God's hands are tied. God's like, hey, what am I supposed to do? I can't just let them into heaven. They didn't say the thing. I mean, I mean, I'm God. I'm not omnipotent over here. <laughs> I gotta be. And there's rules up here. Yeah, there's a rule. I mean, my hands are tied. He's, there was <laughs> Satan. These two little eight-year-old deaf girls, I mean, they burn in the eternal hellfire. And so they taught him what they knew and he taught them French. And then he, through signing, he was able to then give them back French. And then they set up a school eventually called the, the, uh, the International Institute for the Deaf and or something like that. And that was the first school for the deaf in the, uh, in, in the world. And in that institute, they taught, uh, they created a real sign system, which was all of the deaf people in France that, uh, that, that were able to get to the school, created this language together. They taught that language to, the, to, to this priest. The priest then taught them French and they would travel throughout France uh, doing these exhibitions where uh, somebody would ask a question in French. The priest would sign the question from French into French sign language. And then the deaf person would stand up and write the answer in French on a chalkboard. And people were like, fucking crazy. I can't believe deaf people can <laughs> <Wow>. think. Ah. <laughs> and, uh, and then other people would come visit the school. And then the schools would get set up. Through, there were schools for the deaf set up throughout Europe. And then one day a man came from America and there was this guy, Laurent Clerc, uh, Thomas Gallaudet was the American who met Laurent Clerc. And he said, will you come back to America with me and, and set up a school there and we can set up an American sign language system. So they flew off and by the time, well, they didn't fly, they sailed off. And by the time they landed in uh, America, Clerc had learned English from Gallaudet and Gallaudet had learned sign from Clerc on the boat ride. They set up uh, um, a school for the deaf. They set up Gallaudet University and they created... Yeah. American Sign Language, so that when my mother was born, you know, 200 years after that, uh, and she went to a school for the deaf, the language that she uh, that she was given was was a direct line from those two sisters to that priest, to Laurent Clerc, to Thomas Gallaudet, to my mother, to me, and that was the first language that I spoke. It was the first language that I uh, I, I knew, and the guy that wins the Oscar for Best Actor uh, for Coda, he's got the same li- language system that was fought for uh, over a over hundred years. Now there was a blip in the middle where once that started to get set up, once deaf people started to prove that they were, that they were operating on equal footing, once they get, get give someone language, because it's actually, it's not disability hearing that, uh, that, that's the disability. The disability is actually not having a language. Once you yeah. have a language, you can start to operate. So once they set that, that language system up, Alexander Graham Bell, the guy that created the telephone, he started doing what I hearing people and white people and uh, sort of imperialists do, which is he said, uh, we got to make them more like us. We got to get them to stop signing and start talking. Um, and that's a long story that's all in the book, but it kind of plunged deaf people back into a dark ages because they took sign away from them. The thing that proved that they could reason, they started to steal away from them 
And then the, de- the community of the deaf fought and fought and fought. And finally, in the 80s, they took their language back and they finally installed a deaf president as the president of Gallaudet University. Yeah. And that is the landscape that we find ourselves in now, where there's deaf people on TV and deaf doctors and nurses. And, and, uh, and anyway, that is the world that I was born into and one that I'm very, very proud of and, and, and truly a member of. That is a beautiful, the fact that like the, I mean, that is one of those beautifully human. Seriously. Like in an uplifting way where it's like, they created a language. They saw, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah, out of necessity and just got it done. That here's a here's a question. Is sign language the same all over the world? Most common question ever asked about this, and the answer is no. Here's a weird fact. Because as I said, American Sign Language comes from French Sign Language. Uh-huh. Uh, I would know more French Sign Language than I would British Sign Language. Huh. Okay. Really? That's funny. I'm I, yeah, it's yeah. more connected to the French Sign Language system than it is to the because what it is not, it is is it is not a translation of English. It is its own lang- linguistic family uh, that is not connected. It's connected, right. but it's not. That's what I was uh, thinking. You don't have like English. you don't have like the right. Anglo-Saxon that, invasion right? and then the Normans coming in and like having new words for it, like the way the English language was shaped. You have this thing that happened right. two hundred years ago. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't is realize this, this was there, like a really big deal. Oh, go ahead. Are there efforts to universalize it at all? Or is it, is it kind of like where it's like, well, we're not learning fucking French. You know? <laughs> well, yeah, uh, there, there is a, there is a, a system uh, that they've tried to get off the ground, much like Esperanto with spoken yeah. language that has mixed, mixed results, but there, there is a, a system, but it is not like, why would they universalize? I mean, you would have different cultural needs for language. Yeah. You need different where it's like, you do need the 50 words for snow. If you live in snow all the time, you know? That's um, right. Well, actually, 50 words for snow. Here's an interesting factoid. When they came to America to create this new system, uh, the, the kind of the stock that they used to create American Sign Language was French Sign Language. That's the big bowl. More but of a they, consummate. There was two communities. Yeah. Uh, quite a consummate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, There's two communities that they, that they that were organic to America. One was Martha's Vineyard. Martha's Vineyard, before it became what it is now, which is like a rich place to like fuck your mistress if you're a Kennedy. Used to be the place with the highest concentration of deaf people in maybe in the world. For some weird genetic reason, that island had like one in 12 people was deaf. And so if you lived on Martha's Vineyard, you knew a deaf person or you were related to a deaf person and everyone on the on the island signed. And so they took so maybe I exaggerated. I said they'd never had a sign system because Martha's Vineyard was unique uh, in that everybody on the island signed. But it was almost they like a slang. Mar- it was like they had like a slang sign a language kind of a pigeon. Yeah. It's a, it, wow. Yeah. So they took Martha's Vineyard sign language and they took actually Plains Indian sign language. Uh, speaking of 50 words for snow, Plains Indian sign language is not from the deaf. You ever see those cowboy and Indian movies where they're like doing hand signals? So they had created a sign system for intra-tribal communication wow. because people in the different tribes and in native uh, indigenous tribes, they didn't necessarily speak each other's languages, even though they were tiny little tribes. They made this international trade gesture system. So you could say like, you know, give me this and I'll give you that. And then you could communicate with the tribe. So they took those two things, French sign language, and they kind of mixed it up into American sign language, which is why in American sign language, there's over 50 ways to say, never trust the white man. <laughs> They ain't wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Moshe, we've never done this before, but would you be interested in like coming back again next month to plug your book again and also do the second half of this draft? 
You goddamn right I would. Hell yeah. Fantastic. Hell yeah. I've always wanted to do that. I'm sorry. I really, I mean, shut, so, st- shut stop the it. fuck up. Don't no, waste. I'm sorry. Yeah, for, two reasons, reasons, for two reasons. If, if stop I feeling bad about that yourself. Front, I just, the second, we, stop apologizing. You're wasting time you apologizing. Fight, and you don't need to apologize to us, your friends who love you. All right. I just all, I just got another booking out of it. You think I'm disappointed? Yeah. yeah Come on any time. No, the, I just, yeah, I'm, I've wanted to actually do a two-parter forever. And uh, I'm stoked because I do have more that I want to talk about. Absolutely. Because, yeah. I feel like that. Yeah. That's, that's, that's I'm perfect. in. This is this is a this is a win for me. I never got asked to do it before, and the first time I uh, come on, I get asked to come back because what I'm saying is so compelling it cannot be contained in one episode. Listen, if you want to know more Indeed. about what I have to say, pre-order my book or buy it right now. I think it's out when this thing drops. Buy yeah. the book. Last night oh, yeah. when uh, Ian said the topic, I was like, "Man, I'm going to feel stupid because some things just make me feel stupid." And this has been so fun to talk about, just to like dive into all these things. So. Yeah, I'm actually it's in a completely you, you different space. It's funny you say that, Sean, because the way you described skateboarding and underground hip-hop, I guess I was sort of tangentially connected to, mm-hmm. but I never skated. I bought a skateboard once and it got stolen that night and I thought, okay, maybe not for me. But the way you were describing your experience in that world, like you might as well have been talking about raves. You might as well have been talking about Burning Man. Mm-hmm. It's like, and the way we we're all talking about stand-up, it's like this is a uni- this universal feeling of like, I found my people um, I had one of those today, actually, when I logged on to this podcast. <laughs> yeah, amen Dude. to that. Hell yeah. Well, awesome. we're going to revisit that uh, next month. But for now, the picks as they stand. Moshe went first and took raves and deafness. David went second, took gambling, black fishermen. Sean went third, took <laughs> skateboarding and underground hip hop. <laughs> and I went last and took improv comedy and oh, well, not just comedy, improv and RPGs. You're going to lose the fight. It, like we all had a fist fight if all of our groups had to fist for fight. For sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Unless I improvise a knife. Oh, shit. What are you going to do now, dude? Space work? Oh, um, no, I'm just going to freestyle at it. Uh, shout out to everyone on. We want to hear yours, but we're not going to hear yours until next March, yeah, I guess. Yet. I hope Chime you enjoyed in. this. Uh, to be continued. Shout out to everyone on the All Fantasy Everything Patreon. Shout out to everyone on the AFE Shaslackity, the AFE subreddit. Shout out to Super Producer Isaac on the ones and twos. Shout out to our guest, Moshe Kasher. Everybody go by Subculture Vulture. Go see him at his uh, uh, his live book events, which are happening right now yeah, as week. you're listening to this. Mm-hmm. Portland, especially. We got a lot of people in Portland. Go see Moshe uh, at Powell's. And uh, yeah, shout out to uh, St. Sue Carmel. Shout out to Frankie Ocean. Shout out to Sid the Dude. Shout out to Haji Beats. And more important than all of that, tune in again next week to another brand new episode of All Fantasy Everything. Suclackity. That was a HeadGum Podcast.